0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night wherever you are in the world and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Michael and joining me this evening down under in Australia, I have with me Kiwi Chris 1709. Welcome, Chris.
1: Welcome to Season 5. Woo! It's been so long since I've been on one of these.
0: Has it? Oh yeah, it has been, hasn't it? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Work keeps getting in the way. How do you work? I know, right? I'm excited to be back and oh boy have we got a great race to talk about today
0: yes yes we are reprising i think this was also the first episode you were on back when we first started our second episode the bathurst 12 hour podcast man all
1: all those years ago this was yeah we first recorded this when i was what 12 hours away from meeting you at the airport
0: yeah this is we we did this like (laughs) yeah only yeah hours before meeting each other to drive up on that 2016 event man how far have we come since those days Look at this. Like some someone
1: say not very far at all.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good point. But this podcast, though, this podcast has come a long way. And also this event as well. Why do we care about the significance of the Bathurst
1: 12 Hour in the world of endurance sports cars nowadays? Well, for one thing, it's Bathurst, a track that's steeped in history. Everyone wants to race here. Everyone around the world. Everyone. It's getting to the point now where everyone knows this poky little racetrack mm. that never, was never meant to be a racetrack. <laughs> Yeah, and since the twelve hours come along and the GT3s come along, it's really just been a stratospheric rise in how it's viewed and how its perception is in the world community, to now being one of the blue ribbon events. Events for teams that win and racing
0: exactly, and. In the GT3 era, which has only been the last, I think, eight years or nine years that the, the GT3 era has been at the Bathurst 12 hour, it's gone from like this pokey little uh, local race that maybe would get two or three GT3 teams. Uh, from other countries to mm. like the lead event of the international Intercontinental GT Challenge you know the biggest SRO endurance uh, championship arguably around the entire world it's up there alongside events like the Spa 24 hours mm. and uh, more recently Kalami 9 hours which has been really cool to see grow and the Suzuka 8 hours and is it Suzuka 8 hours or 10 hours no it's the California Ten. 8 hours yeah. Yep. yeah Suzuka
1: 10 Kalami 9
0: yeah, uh, and then, California
1: eight and twelve here.
0: Yeah, but this is one of the events that has that history and that backing before the IGTC came mm. around. So uh, for for all of the teams, they rate this as like the second or third highest GT three race that you can win.
1: Yeah, I mean when you think about Bathurst as a racetrack, obviously you've got the thousand that's been here for what fifty five years now.
0: Oh yeah, something
1: like, something on those lines. So that's the greatest race in Australian history. This isn't far behind now. Um, yeah. And we can say the old days. like The 12-hour was, a thing since 1991. Um, back in the days of Toyota Supras and Mazda RX-7s.
0: Exactly. It's great. It started off as a production <laughs> car race, didn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, then it became a 24-hour 20, a back in 2002, won both years by the Holden Monaro.
0: Brilliant. And for those who Which don't is- know the Holden Monaro, it's basically like your most souped-up family sedan. Like, that's...
1: Yeah, with two doors.
0: <laughs> yeah, with two doors. Okay, family coupe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, came back to production car routes with the BMW Mitsubishi Lancer. In 2011, GT3s have ruled the roost. Mm. So much so that the organisers went, oh, production cars, here's a six-hour race for you.
0: Yeah, and honestly, that's been probably one of the better decisions that the organizers of this race have made. Um, because I, I remember when the Bathurst Twelve Hour first started making waves on the international scene, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, with you know, with these production cars, it's very difficult to pass. There's a lot of caution periods, mm. you know, that sort of thing." And you know, you know it was true. Uh, I remember the first Twelve Hour. I actually sat and watched start to finish, which I think was the twenty fourteen or twenty. I think it was the 2014 one. There was about eight or nine uh, safety cars just from production cars doing stupid <clears> things <throat> and getting involved in GT traffic. So the, the fact that they yeah. separated the two now has been good for this event. Arguably, there is a pros and cons like anything.
1: I mean, the I guess the highlight of what you said there really came about when you had GT3 shooting the same track as Fiat 500s.
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: That was made me made me go. Hang on, this probably is a bit a bit of a step too far.
0: Yeah, and like we see stuff like that similar to things like say the Nordschleife, but even even compared to the Nurburgring 24, the room you have at this track is so what room? minimal yeah exactly what room uh you're basically at the mercy of the slower class cars if you come upon them anywhere from the cutting through to skyline and even if you don't get it done at skyline all the way down to the elbow so it's really mm. there is there is not a lot of room on this track to pass but it's turned the 12 hour now into yeah one of the marquee events in australian motorsport and like Chris, uh, Kiwi, uh, no, not Kiwi, Chris, Chris Washer said, uh, on our Daytona podcast, uh, not that long ago, it's really become a little bit of the melting pot of Australian motorsports alongside the entire world of motorsports. We see a lot of, uh, mm. up and coming, uh, like, uh, club racing or supercar support series drivers make, uh, race, uh, make rides in this category. Uh, of course there's a bunch of the Austro- best Australian drivers in these uh, supercars mm. that's Get seats in the twelve hour, and it's it's really it's a really big mixing pot of the local talent versus the international brands. Yeah,
1: and Bathurst seems to be a place where drivers are starting to make a name for themselves, mm. as much as winning at Spa or winning at Le Mans. Um, you know, think back to twenty. It might be a bit harsh to say, but Katz and here in twenty fifteen. Yes, but his stint in, on that race, and everyone knew what his name was after that. Even last year, Matt Campbell.
0: Mm, exactly right. And Jake Dennis, for that matter, and Jake as Davis, well. Dennis, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really can create a bit of a name for people in Australia. And people still know Katsumasa in Australia. Like, whenever he comes to this event, he gets mobbed. People love <laughs> yeah. him. People love him here. And it was for that drive in that 2015 event, uh, which, like, uh, if you haven't seen the, the last 20 minutes, that 2015 event, I would recommend checking it out because it was... It was it was a bit mental. This place has a habit of turning it on, turning up the wick in the last mm. twenty minutes.
1: Yeah, last twenty minutes of twenty fifteen, last twenty minutes of twenty sixteen, Tony Veerlanderson in twenty seventeen, and <laughs> yeah. all of last year,
0: all of last year, yeah, and yep. also twenty eighteen as well. That was looking building to a very tense finish, and then we had the the big incident, the big red flag that kind of mm. nullified everything. Anyway, uh one one thing you did mention, though, there's no room to pass on this track. Now, let's talk a little bit about this old track. Of course, it's very close to you and my hearts in terms of our mm-hmm. motorsport knowledge. Um, but what is it about this track that sets it apart from some of the other big racetracks around the world? It's
1: the undulation. It's, what is it, 161 meters from top to bottom? I thought it was 186 meters from top to bottom it could be 186. I'm very, very tired. So it could be that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the elevation here is unlike any other racetrack. They court some of the most iconic corners in Australian motorsport and world motorsport are here. It's steeped in history and up top, it's literally one line. Mm. If you get out of the groove, you're going to hit concrete. It's just a case of how much concrete you're going to have for breakfast.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a great way <laughs> of putting it. Uh, it's you mentioned that it's steeped in history. What what about this track makes it so historic? I mean, of course, we've talked about the Bathurst one thousand, but you know, mm-hmm. whereabouts did this track even come from?
1: Yeah, so I love this. I always love telling you this story. The track came about when the uh, mayor of Bathurst at the town at the time wanted to put a wanted a race but couldn't get permission. So he decided, oh, we'll build the scenic road. Oh, by the way, now we've got this to the grid, Can we race on it, please? <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. And that's, how, and that's how Bathurst was born.
0: Yes, exactly. And that drawed, uh, it drew the uh, established Australian Endurance Classic, which was held at Phillip Island, from Phillip Island to Bathurst. Mm-hmm. It was originally a 500 mile race to start Correct, with.
1: Correct. Back in the uh, old days of Imperial units.
0: Yeah. And then they changed it to 1,000 kilometres when, you know, Australia started using the metric system properly. <laughs> yes, uh, and that man's name, by the way, who uh, who brought the race to Mount Panorama, um, he is—he was called Walter McPhillamy. So, at the top of the mountain, there is McPhillamy Park, which is named after him. And honestly, that might be my favourite corner on the track at McPhillamy. Uh, that that entire sweeping section at the top is one of the best parts to race in a sim when you get it right. One of the best parts to view when you're trackside. Mm-hmm. And one of the scariest
1: parts to see oh. cars go off at. Oh, I remember the year we were up there together. The views going down there, basically, they come up over the Chris prior at Salman Park, at Reed Park, dip down, full commitment through McPhillamy, right on the edge of the curb, and they just sort of disappear. Yeah. <laughs> disappear down the hill through the side through the of the S's remarkably the year where they only saw one car have an incident. Yeah. And that was one of them. And those are the radicals. Yeah. That it a was good one.
0: so weird. Like you'd expect, I, I guess because a lot of these cars that were racing were like, well, cause they're all downforce cars. Now you don't really see that much of a, uh, a mistake up there, but it's, I, I I still think it's one of the most terrifying corners in Australian motorsport, but yeah, they seem to they seem to know how to get it right in the GT3 cars. Um mm. yeah. Absolutely. what about you? That's, What's your favourite part of the track? Even though so I
1: know the answer. Cor- it's so many iconic corners here. Um the cutting is full commitment. Mm. Um it's a place where we've seen it go wrong for so many cars before. So steep as well. So steep. So steep as well. One and six. So is the first elbow, one and six. And was and of course that was the pass of the race last year. The pass of the year, actually.
0: At Forest Elbow, yeah. It was well up there. Um yeah. from a like from an Australian fan's perspective, like you could see it coming. You could see it coming mm. from a mile away. You knew that that was where it was going to be made. But the fact that he managed to get the 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 nose of that car tucked in and around that corner it was just amazing.
1: It was. And I reckon my answer to this question changes every time you answer it. Ask it. Really? <laughs> I reckon it does, but For me, my most uh, the favorite corner for me is coming into the chase.
0: Yeah, I uh, I know every single time you are like, oh, I think I change it every single time,
1: but no, it's just the chase, and it's just this. There is just something about going. Oh, the FIA tells us when to chicane. Okay, let's put the fastest corner in the world motorsport in. Yeah,
0: great idea. (laughs) And and by the way, that's the same regulation that. Uh, is the reason that they had to put the chicanes in the Mulsanne straight because of the, the the thing that you couldn't have a straight longer than, I think it was one and a half kilometres or two kilometres. Um, So yeah, in answer to that, they put in a 300 kilometre per hour sweeper into an uphill 90 degree left-hander because...
1: You, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say 300 Ks. I reckon that's going to be beaten this weekend and we'll get to that later
0: oh okay we will have i am very interested to see to hear what you have to say about that because Mm -hmm. that is surprising for me to hear but i didn't
1: say to be from a gt3 car i didn't say to be from a gt3 i
0: understand yeah i knew exactly where you were going but that's still (laughs) that's still a very very big call uh yeah this uh, this track though 6.213 6.213 kilometers, which puts it just a bit longer than Road America in the States, or about uh, about 800 meters shorter than Spa-Francorchamps for those more European inclined. Uh, the length of Conrod Strait in itself is 1.9 kilometers, uh, according to uh, the Mount Panorama website, um, which is pretty long, uh, you'd say. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And the highest point is about 800 meters above sea level. It's 176 meters, 174 meters from the lowest point of the track at uh, Murray's Corner, the last corner on the track, to the top of Skyline at the top of the Vista. Every single corner on this track tells a story. There has been so much mm-hmm. racing, so much top level racing here over the years that every single corner of this track. Has its own piece of history, and it has its own little slice of even even the twelve hour. I can think of a bunch of incidents at each corner. I can think of a Mm -hmm. bunch of passes of important moments that have happened around this track, and. Everything from from Hell Corner to Griffin's Bend to the Cutting, all the way across the top over Skyline, which is the most appropriate cor- named corner in the entire world, I think. Uh, yep. You know, all the way through the S's, through the Dipper, into Forest Elbow, and then down Conrod Straight, through the Chase and Murray's Corner. Just everything has its own little slice of what is the Bathurst history.
1: Yep, even the pit lane has its own size of history.
0: Mm, there's been a lot of crazy things things that have happened in the pit lane in 1,000 competition. Maybe a little... And little... last year,
1: the, and the 12-hour as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, uh, I remember, I, I know the incident you're talking about, the Bentley, the shut-off at the Bentley, yes. which was heart-wrenching for, for the Bentley boys. You know, they've still not won here in the, in the five or six. Well, That's I think it's crazy. even longer than that.
1: They've been so competitive for so long with that big, both of the thing they've got that they haven't won, won or even they've have never, they finished second
0: they haven't they i don't even think they finished on the podium there was the year they looked closest to winning was 2015 which was the casa Chio year where they ended up finishing fourth thanks to a dive bomb in the last corner from stefan muka mm. and aston martin i like they seem to get so close every single year and then kind of fall apart
1: maybe this year's the year yeah
0: maybe maybe um I want you to share some of your give us your top three moments of watching the Bathurst 12 hour as a fan for you. Your, your oh. top three memories.
1: Okay, number one would be the year that the um that the that the McLaren the white McLaren was driven by Rob Bell at the time just died, <laughs> and they still managed to finish that race in fifth.
0: Yeah, when it grenaded itself. <laughs> yeah, it grenaded
1: itself, <laughs> going up mountain straight.
0: That was they—they've done that before as well. I remember it was <clears> a blank pan GT sprint race at Misano. The exact same thing happened under full course yellow. It grenaded itself and then kept going and finished yeah. fifth. And we're just like, what?
1: Yeah, it spent so much time in the pits getting repaired, but that race was just a bit of crazy, and they were able to fight their way back. And I, that whole race was really good. That was the year, of course. That I'm going to make a fool of myself now. That, that was, was Tony Velander year. Yeah, the end of the year. Yes, when um, Shane
0: Van Gisbergen spun it coming down the hill after punting off a Porsche the lap before mm-hmm. and crashed yep. out in the last throws. It's very yeah. sad.
1: Uh, last year's race, you can't go past that. What Matt Campbell was doing that final stint. If, uh, we've we've raced on lyrically about enough. But that was just an amazing, yeah, an amazing stint. Best, and
0: best race of the year last year, easily oh,
1: by far, by far. And this won in 2016 as well, with Jono Webb and Alvaro Perrin.
0: That was a great race, actually. Uh, it was. It, the The McLaren seemed to have the pace from start to finish that year, but there was always that sort of question mark. And then when they got that that drive-through for speeding mm. in pit lane, it really sort of brought it to the front, didn't it?
1: It did. And there's one old memory, which I'm sad we do not get anymore. What's the that? The Daytona.
0: Ah oh, yes, we'll talk the about that
1: thing sounds. We'll,
0: we'll talk about that when we get to the entry list. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's that's three three very important moments. I'd actually even go back a little further and say the first year Van Gisbergen was racing here in the old um, was it the the MC. Oh, no, MP412C McLaren. Yes, um, the with Mick- Yeah, along with uh, the Quins, and uh, where he had a Titanic battle with, mm. I think it was Mika Salo in a Ferrari at the end of the race, and then Craig Lowndes went on to win in the other Ferrari.
1: I think he years mixed up, I think. I think I might be. I remember uh, that yeah. was like
0: the first year it ever popped up on my radar, and yeah, I watched was tw- the end of it. That was,
1: that was in 2013. He was with Matt Kingsley, Clark, Clark Quinn, and Tony Quinn. Yeah. Finish and, the race third somehow.
0: Yeah, it was just it was just nutty, uh like mm. seeing seeing those that first little dip of international talents versus the Australian guys. Yeah. And that was really a pro am event then still. It was.
1: Well you know who won that year?
0: Uh who did win that year?
1: Thomas Jaeger, Alexander Roloff, and Bernd Schneider.
0: Ah, there we go. It was that yes.
1: <laughs> In the I'll I'll give someone ten bucks if they can find a race he hasn't won. I would call, I would, I'll, I'll match that actually. If you're an endurance jet listener, find a
0: major sports car race that Bern Schneider hasn't won. And yeah, we'll, I don't know, we'll get you gold. Something. Yeah. I'll get you gold. <laughs> um, but for me, I think my, my favorite moment at this track, um, was, In terms of racing, uh, the the win for Shane Van Gisbergen in 2016, which we mentioned, because that year for him was just fantastic from start to finish. But for me personally, it was the first time we got to the track on that Thursday night in 2016, where we came over the crest of the mountain beforehand and saw Mount Panorama Bathurst. And then getting up to the top and then walking the track was just unreal, unreal Mm. for the first time ever. So that was Five years ago now, yeah. and it's just yeah,
1: it's a similar feeling to to those who've been to Daytona. You know, coming around along International Speedway Boulevard, like I can say this because I've been there, <laughs> and then just seeing the massive grandstand movement into you and just go, "Yeah, I'm at Mecca."
0: Yeah, exactly right. S- similar thing. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be the same when I go to Le Mans and see, for example, the Dunlop Bridge or the Mulsanne Strait, and mm. there's just going to be that moment of, "Wow, we're actually here." But that's my moment. That's my best memory. Yep. So the entry list for this year features uh, 40 cars, um, which Mm -hmm. is a bit of a drop compared to some of the previous years. The big headliner for this, though, is that it's 34 GT3 entries, of which 21 are (laughs) pro entries.
1: Which is absurd?
0: Absurd, absolutely <laughs> absurd. For twenty-one pro cars, that's basically a, a SRO GT Challenge, a World America, Europe,
1: a, a Europe, Asia, yeah, America exactly.
0: Car. It's 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 crazy. That, like that, you could like take that out and run a full event, like just by that. Um, yeah. On top of that, there is also eleven GT three brands racing at the mountain, which I think is the most that they've ever had. Um, but we have lost a few of the crowd favorites. Like you've mentioned the Daytona sports coupe, which is, um, a group of guys in Australia who make basically whacked out sports cars. They've done, (laughs) yeah, they made a a 60s inspired, well, 60s replica analog of a Daytona Mm -hmm. sports coupe powered by a Coyote engine, which was just mental. Yep. Had basically bicycle tires on it.
1: Yep, and then when they decided they wanted to sell that, they made themselves a similar thing out of a Dodge Viper. Oh, yeah, that
0: thing was amazing. Yeah, so none of those this year, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, Yeah,
1: they're still regulated out. Otherwise, their madness of the sin would be at the track.
0: Oh, that would be ridiculous. Um there is also on the entry list uh two GT four cars and four mark cars. Um they're all running in the invitational class and we'll get to them when we get down to them. We'll have a bit of discussion about our thoughts on the entry list as a whole afterwards. But let's crack on to what you're really here for, which is the classic uh endurance chat entry list analysis. So we'll start we'll start with the defending <laughs> champions, El Bamber Motorsport. Um El Bamber Motorsport uh coming back uh, to this race after winning last year as the factory-supported po- Porsche outfit. Um, this year, their pro car has a driver lineup of Earl Bamber and Lawrence Vantor, uh, so c- creating the classic Thor partnership mm-hmm. that we've seen in IMSA competition around the world. And adding to that, seven-time Bathurst 1000 winner, two-time, win- two-time three-time winner of this event, Craig Lowndes as well.
1: We're not starting off small, are we? No,
0: no, no. Like, this could straight <laughs> up be the car that wins the race. Just, like, straight away.
1: Oh, uh, thing is, though, Craig Nance in a, is not in the Triple Eight stable for the first time at this race in a fair while.
0: No, that's true. This is a very interesting uh, development for him mm. running outside I, of, yeah, the Triple Eight stable.
1: It's, a, I think it's a great thing for him because... Um, he gives them a chance to sign. And it's a great thing for like 2, which we'll come to that later, but it's not going to hurt the team at all, is it?
0: Oh, no, not even a little bit.
1: <laughs> no. um, This would be his first time in a Porsche GT3.
0: Look, honestly, I don't think that'll faze him. Like, not even nah. a little bit.
1: No, he's driven enough crazy, crazy fun things in his time. Mm. The Doesn't thing is, though,
0: about this track, we haven't really touched on it yet, but it's a lot like Le Mans and it's a lot like uh, the Nordschleife experience at this track. Counts for double or triple compared to experience at other oh. tracks. So yeah, it's,
1: uh, it's like Nurburgring. Um, if you chuck a ring, a ring ringer in your car, you're going to do a lot better than if you're just chucking three random guys.
0: And and that's not to say that you know international drivers won't get onto this track and be good immediately. It's to say that the the locals who might not have the outright pace of whoever from around the world who might not have the outright pace of a Vanth or, or, or a or a Bortolotti or a Haasa are going to be competitive simply because they have that track knowledge already. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there exists a person in the universe that has more track knowledge at this place than uh, than Craig Lowndes.
1: <laughs> not in this race anyway.
0: Exactly.
1: But um, one more can we say? Yes, it's good to see Earl Bamba racing this year after being just a team principal last year. And is his own team that he and Will Bambo operate. Yep, and the car looks gorgeous as it does with the Meguiar sponsorship this year. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty. It's simple. going to be one of the car- look. You said this a lot in the previous podcast. If this is not the podium, something's gone wrong.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty <laughs> pretty well right. Exactly. Um, this is just straight off the bat. This car could win, and no one would be surprised. Mm. Uh, The other challenges for Porsche, though, they'd bring a three-car pro lineup. Um, The other challenges for Porsche come in the form of Absolute Racing, uh, which is a Chinese-backed team. Um, and mm-hmm. they have last year's race winner, the champion or the, the hero from last year's race, Matt Campbell, alongside Matteo Jaminet and Patrick Piley in the 911 car. And in the second car, they have a few guys that you would be familiar with from WEC competition Matteo Cairoli, Thomas Prining, and Dirk Werner. Uh, so, an all international lineup for the 912. Uh, the 911 has that Australian connection with Matt Campbell. How do we rate the two absolute racing cars?
1: I do think the 911 is just a bit stronger because Campbell, Yamine, I do rate just slightly ahead yep. of the next, of Werner, Preening and Cariroli. Yep. That's not to say Pele's any slouch.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good
1: point. <laughs> um, but, well, Absolute Racing, they've only been around for a few years in the Agent one series, haven't they? In Blank pan Asia.
0: Yeah, they haven't they've been. They've really,
1: they've really come on in leaps and bounds and, It's been great to see those Asian teams make a name for themselves on the world stage.
0: Well, that was kind of the point of the IGTC. It's to get the local Hmm. teams running the cars with the international brands unifying all the races into one big championship. Um, Yeah, I do do think, I find it interesting actually that um, the uh, the 911 has the, you know, the big name of... uh, Oh, I guess they're both... Like, Pille, Pille and Dirk Werner are obviously the experienced guys in the team. Um, So you've basically got a, a quartet of Porsche young champions mm. in those two cars. Um, And yeah, I would agree that Campbell's probably a little better than... Uh, Campbell and Jaminet are probably better than Carole and Preening, but not by much. So,
1: mm. But I do think of the three Porsches, the number one's likely to be the best.
0: How can you say that about Matt Campbell, though? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why it sucks to say that. It's going to be yeah, the, all these all these cars from Porsche, like I remember saying last year that it kind of seemed like a weak lineup from Porsche, they were sending all these young guys and not really too much experience, but now in this race you have one very very experienced trio with probably the most experienced person at bathurst and two porsche factory drivers and then the other two pro cars you have a quartet of young pros who have proven themselves alongside Pele and Werner, who are like the stalwarts of the porsche program Mm. it's a really really good mix of driving talent and experience at bathurst oh god yeah yeah uh audi are bringing along a Trio of pro cars under the Audi uh, Audi Sport Team Valvoline banner, which released their liveries today, and they look amazing. Um, a great mm-hmm. mix Ed of... they Ad- yeah, uh always too. Yeah, white, red, and blue, and green. It just looks very, very cool. Um, so they're boxing out the number twos. So you got car two with Christopher Haas, Dries Fanthor and Fred- Frederic Vervish. Uh, number strong. 20, very strong. 22 has more- Mirko Bortolotti, Christopher Mies, and Garth Tander. Yep. Also very strong. And 222 has Matteo Drudi, Kelvin van der Linde, and Marcus Winkelhock. Also glad extremely bring- strong.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they're not bringing a fourth car.
0: Uh, t- the the quadruple two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just keep going.
1: Um, Yeah, Matteo Drudi. There's a name I'm not too familiar with. Young Italian bloke, 21 years old. He's um, made a name for himself in karting. What did he race recently? ADEC GT... He's pretty quick by the looks of it. Um yeah, 24-hour series in Dubai. Yeah, so he's definitely definitely going to be one to keep keep an eye on.
0: He would not be he's... paired with a with Kelvin van der Linde and Marcus Finkelhock, who have won mm. uh IGTC races before and the yeah. 24 hours of Nürburgring if he wasn't quick.
1: Yeah, he um he finished the Dubai boat race in night.
0: <laughs>
1: Brilliant. And apparently, according to Alex, he qualified a silver car in p six at Spa.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So, um, yeah. <laughs> I guess he's quick. So,
0: okay. So, he must be quick.
1: I doubt he'll be qualifying. Oh, oh here you go. Yeah. Here you go. Sorry. Interrupt. Uh, yeah. He raced in a P3 in 2018 ELMS. Qualified on pole at Silverstone.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Now that you say that, it kind of clicks. Mm. Okay. So, Haas Van Thor Christopher Haas has competed in this race a bunch. I think he's even going back to the first days of GT3 here. He was competing. Um, Dries Van yep. Torn won the red flagged event here, so he's uh, he's definitely quick, and he won that alongside. Um, ooh, I remember bantering with these guys about it beforehand. Stuart Leonard and uh, Robert Freins, I think. Mm-hmm. So familiar, yeah. Yep, yeah. um, and then. Vervish has been a factory Audi driver for yonks and yonks and yonks. Mm Bertolotti has come over from the Lamborghini program uh, alongside Christopher Meese, who has raced Australian GT before. So not only does he know this car, these tracks, he knows a bunch of these other drivers as well. And Garth Tander is probably the second most experienced person ever around Bathurst. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And an Audi factory driver and has been driving with the Audi Sport team Valvoline for quite a long time as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And for me, I as much as I don't want to overlook the others, I think the 22 was the strongest of the three. Because you've got the mix of quick, consistent, and track knowledge.
0: Yes, and I think that combination is going to be the, the big things we talk about mm. for this event. Um, they haven't... How do you, b- besides the red-flagged race, they haven't really had a lot of success here. I remember last year... Was it Vandalinda or... Uh, Tanda had that incident with Christina Nielsen going into the cutting mm-hmm. where he kind of boxed himself into a corner and made contact with the rear of the Mercedes. Vandalinda mm-hmm. hit the wall at the at the metal grate and that kind mm. of put pace to their chances last year. And, you know, they've had a string of incidents or where they've not been just quite as quick. Um, well, the
1: Audi always seems to have an issue of being fantastic over the top of the mountain. But being vulnerable down the straight, just not quite having the top line speed as the other cars.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out um, because, of course, if you're at the front, it doesn't matter how quick you are uh, down the straight. You don't need to pass anyone, so it's not a problem. Mm. Um, but if they get involved in a fracker during the middle, they could, they could find themselves stuck in the pack. But is that still a, a problem with the Audi? Or is that kind of been grown out of, grown out of it as it's gone through the evos?
1: I think through. I think the the, the issues is are a lot less. Yeah. Uh you, I mean, you look at last year's race, and the Audi was well, up until their incidences, they were they were what third, fourth, I think.
0: They always seem to be in the mix. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they, I think they are getting better. I think the issue is this year. There's a couple of new cars on the grid. As well, yeah, that m- might cause issues for the older Audi. Cool. I say older; it's only a couple of years old.
0: It, yeah, it's not even that. It, it's it's the Evo spec, which is only mm. from what twenty seventeen or eighteen. So yeah, it's yeah, it's not even that old. Um, the. Challenge from Bentley is the next one down the entry list, and they are coming along with the two pro cars, the Bentley boys. The, they bring in the thunder, as they like to to say on their social media channels. So, bringing the thunder this year is a all-British lineup in the number 8 car, featuring Alex Bunkham, Oliver Jarvis, and Seb Morris. And then their international flavor comes in the number 7, Jules Gounon, Jordan Pepper, and Maxime Sule. What a who's lineup! Who's missing
1: from that? What, what a lineup! But who's missing?
0: That would be uh, Guy Smith and Andy Suchek. Yes, that's a bit of a. I would say I would still say that's a bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah, I would too. Um, I mean, they would have just. It was Guy Smith last year, wasn't it? That um. That missed out.
0: Yep. Oh no, it was Andy Suchek who missed out, uh, who who had the problems with the new car, hitting the kill switch instead of the pit lane speed limiter on the exit pit lane. Twice, (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) He would have wanted revenge, but it's the same to see him go. I'm I'm so happy to see Sebastian Morris get a go, though.
0: I have not heard of Sebastian Morris. Give me a quick TLDR on him.
1: He's been in the 31 over at IMSA, has he not? Really? I'm sure of it. I'm now checking myself before I wreck myself. Oh well, there you are. He has. He's, been... won, he's, he's, he's won in British GT. He's um. Yeah, Blong playing pro am, uh, pro. He's he was he's, he's driven the team Parker Racing Bentley, and I remember he's driven that quite well and quite quickly too. Um. Look, around... that,
0: like I look at his I look at his racing summary, like Janetta Junior winning the Janetta mm. Junior Championships, and then moving up to Formula Renault, and then British GT Series, like. They're okay results, but they're nothing, nothing outstanding until you he's, get to British GT Team Parker Racing, where he was he won the championship with them hmm. in 2016. So I guess he's still
1: he's, only 24, too.
0: Oh, okay. So he's really one of the <laughs> the young prospects in that Bentley yeah. team. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah,
1: and pairing him with Oliver Jarvis, he's a, he's going to glean so much from that old bugger and Alex Bunkham, who's again one of the most impressive Brit racers going around. I do like that number eight lineup. I think even more so than the seven.
0: See, I disagree. I think the number seven car with Jules Gunon, who won ADAC GT only two years ago and has been proper quick in that Continental, um, Jordan Pepper as well, and Maxime Soule, which is, who's been in the program for Yonks. I think the number seven is has a better driver lineup. But the question for me always with the Bentley is, do they get to the end of the race in a competitive position? Because they haven't, Done that yet?
1: Asterix. No, there's always something going yeah, wrong. Whether always... the car's falling apart because they've bashed into people, or it's just someone set the kill switch, or it's problems in the pits. There's just always something.
0: Yeah, and it's been always something for the last five or six years. So maybe, hopefully, not always something this year. But we'll. <laughs> Yeah, like we we all they they they're such a popular brand in Australia as well in terms of the the racing brand, and they've done a really good work marketing their program to be that way. So for them to still struggle with not getting success, it's yeah, it's kind of kind of rough to be honest. Yeah,
1: just kind of rough. Absolutely. Yeah. But I hope they do well, and they deserve to do well.
0: Yeah, exactly. They deserve to do well, but motor racing doesn't always give you what you deserve, does it?
1: No. This is true, but they did impress me last year with their pace in that new car.
0: Exactly. And this Roger- would be, be the second goal at it with a new car as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Moving down, the Nissan GT-R Nismo GT3 program is being run by KCMG, the Hong uh, Kong-based outfit who recently, well, semi-recently competed in P2 at Le Mans uh, and in the WEC, which is where I have become a fan of them from. Um, They are running the factory Nissan program, as I mentioned. Uh, The car 18 is run by Alexandra Imperatori, Eduardo Liberati, and Paulo Paolo Oliveira. And then the number 30... 35, isn't it? Uh, no, it says on the Wikipedia entry list that it is the number 18.
1: And it says on the Bathurst 12-hour website, it's the 35.
0: Ah, uh, classic, classic <laughs> Bathurst 12-hour website. Anyway, the other car, whichever number it may be, uh, features Australian Josh Burden and then the Japanese pairing of uh, Tsugoi Matsuda and Katsumasa Chiyo, Uh of course, uh, bringing Godzilla back to the mountain again. Yes. What do we think now... of the Nissans?
1: Now, there's going to be a lot of people here going, who the heck is Josh Burden? Who the heck is Josh Burden, Kiwi? So last year, he drove in the uh, KCMG Carat Bathurst, finished 10th. Uh, He's the current, is it Formula Renault Asia champion? I think it is. He's raced in LMP3 in Asian Le Mans series. He's a very quick up-and-coming Australian driver. I I say he's not he's not that young he's 27.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah,
1: um but no he's um definitely a handy if not impressively quick Australian driver. But he'll definitely do his own and the two Japanese drivers there well we they're brilliant.
0: Yeah, we've <laughs> talked Kazuya Matsushiro's breakout race was the 2015 Bathurst mm-hmm. 12 hour. That was the one that really put him on the map. Um, of course,
1: people probably know, so I was going to say People probably know Josh Burden from his massive accident at Nürburgring last year. Oh,
0: that was oh yeah, of course, where he went mm. up the back of one of the was it a Toyota 86? Mhm. Yeah, down the the dotting a hole with the the um the slow zone there. Oh, wow, that was Josh Burden. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. It's crazy. <laughs> Damn. Like yes, to see him back in a car, honestly. Mm.
1: Yeah, that was a massive incident. But you were saying about the Japanese drivers.
0: Yeah, so of course, um, uh, Katsutomo Katsumasa Chio. This race really put him on the map, and he backed it up with an admirable race the year after as well. Um, coming second in that Nissan GTR, and Nissan has a lot of support in Australia as well. There's a lot of a lot of people around who really really get into the the r35 and the nissan gt like the skylines and all that sort of stuff so nissan's got a really really good following in australia and he really like people will recognize him up and down the paddock um uh and of course uh to going tsugio matsuda um has been a long time uh super gt driver um mm. racing with the nismo car and has also raced at Le Mans with, um, with KCMG in the Orica. And uh, he actually got a seat in the GTRLM Nismo um, back in 2015 uh, through that, uh, remember that old project? the <laughs> That thing. That thing, exactly. That thing. Um, but he's a, he's a very quality driver. He finished third in Super GT last season. Um, hmm. And then second. In his,
1: ni- in his 20th season of running Super GT.
0: Yeah, so he's a serious driver. Again, experience, quick, and track experience as well and consistency. Mm. The, these guys could be a, a force to be reckoned with. And even the number 18 car, I think uh, Impatori and Liberati raced together last year with a third driver whose name escapes me. I don't think it was Oliveira. Um but they were in the mix up until the very end of the race, and then it was a mix-up with the safety car rules regarding mm-hmm. uh, warming up the tyres. That gave them a penalty that kind of took them out of the last stint. But they were on the lead lap in that last section of the race. Yes.
1: That driver you are thinking of last year was one O. Jarvis.
0: Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so he's actually gone so- back to Bentley then.
1: Yes, yes. He okay. Has.
0: okay, out of these two cars, who do you reckon is the stronger of the outfit?
1: I'm going to say the... Japanese burden machine.
0: The number, well, I've got it listed as thirty-five. Um, I would, I would tend to agree, but it would be interesting to see how Imperator and Liberati and Yal uh, uh, Paulo Oliveira do. Um, I'm actually not too familiar with Oliveira. Do have we seen
1: JP de Oliveira? Yeah, he's Brazilian, obviously, with a name like that. He races in Japanese in Super GT.
0: Yes. It looks uh, having and a has done his... for
1: quite a number of years.
0: Yeah, so he's a very experienced driver. His first race uh, in feeder series was back in nineteen ninety nine. Yes, some of our listeners uh, weren't even
1: born then. <laughs> he spent last year in the D Station Racing Aston.
0: Oh, ah, okay. Which didn't,
1: which didn't have a good time of it. It's got to be said.
0: They're doing much better in uh, Asian One Series competition this season, though.
1: D Station Racing. This is, this is true.
0: Yeah, so that should be. Again, a mix of experience. Um, actually, that's just a very experienced lineup. I yeah, I would say with that knowledge, I'd say the other car, the Amer well Australian Japanese car, is probably going to be a little better. Indeed. Um, Ferrari are bringing along only one car in the Pro category this season of uh, this year rather, and that's going to be run by Hub Auto Corsa, um, who of course won the California Eight Hours last year. Um, with one of these drivers at the wheel, in fact, um, as, as well mm-hmm. as running in the Asian Le Mans series. Um, these drivers in the Ferrari 488 GT3 are Marcus Gomez, Daniel Serra, and Tim Slade. Um, so Gomez has been racing Asian Le Mans series this season, putting mm-hmm. that car in a really, really good position. Um, Daniel Serra, we've talked about Daniel Serra last week in the Daytona uh, preview. Basically, mm-hmm. he's the car, he's the guy that Ferrari puts in cars to make them go quick. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically
0: He's just been outstanding since he got picked up from Aston Martin
1: mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's just your plug-and-play driver Exactly And does a bloody good job of it And Tim Slade, the new signing for DJR Team Penske Yes,
0: so he is now going to be the co-driver for Team Penske at Bathurst uh, for the 1000 With Scotty Mack With Scotty Mack, Mac. yeah You're pretty excited about that, aren't
1: you? Oh, very <laughs> Tim Slade is a bloody handy driver
0: Yes, yes he is. Um, he's actually from my neck of the woods, um, in South Australia. He's from the southern part of Adelaide.
1: Oh, take everything take everything I said nice about him back then.
0: I thought you would say that. Um, <laughs> but he he actually has been competing with this car p- before. Um, I'm pretty sure I made mention the fact that they this car won the California eight hours. I'm like eighty to ninety percent sure Slade was in it. Um, and he's been driving he's he hasn't been confined to the Ferrari that he's driven in the past the McLaren for objective racing he's driven Mm -hmm. um the Erebus Mercedes-Benz back when Erebus was running a Mercedes-Benz um and he's he's a very very handy driver he hasn't had the best run lately in uh in the V8 supercar series but uh he did finish uh I think he finished fifth in the uh what season was that? Um, fifth in 2012,
1: perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. yes in that's the... That sounds right. When BJI had their great season.
0: Uh, yeah, when Stone Brothers he was with at the time. Oh, Stone Brothers. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely a handy steerer. Um, he's got a few V8 supercars race wins, um, but he is on the tail end of his career now in supercars. But the important thing about that is Bathurst experience.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Plenty of it. And tail end of his career, and he's doing the right thing, going overseas, winning GT races... And he's been with the one team when it has most success, like you said, California, eight hours, Bathurst, yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing this car go.
0: Yeah, and they've they've strung together a really good run of results. Um, Daniel Serra, we made mention of; uh, he's the guy that you put into things to make go fast. Um, Gomez, mm-hmm. I I haven't seen heaps from Gomez yet. Uh, he's you know he's 35, so he's not a spring chicken anymore but he's got some decent results uh in some in stock stock car brazil uh but that was that was you know 10 years ago so i think he's yeah. running as a maybe as a pay driver he's he's he was impressive in the asian lemon series but that was at the band rather but that was a mm. a yeah that was a weird race for it gt was. it was so how do you rate these this car's chances
1: I think it comes into how quick we see Gomez go.
0: Gomez go? Is he going to go? That was
1: unintentional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we know the other two drivers are solid, but I don't think it's got the quality. To beat the likes of the Orbamba or the KCMG.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment as well. Crack on to the next pro uh, cars on the list. Uh, the Honda are coming to Bathurst for the first time um, in their NSX GT3 Evo, and they are bringing along the the pro all pro lineup of Dane Cameron, Mario Fanbacher, and Renga van der Zander. So this is. Almost like the uh Honda NSX team run by Myershank Racing, almost like basically almost.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so and all three will be doing double duty from the Daytona, Yeah, won't they?
0: Yeah, I think so. Farnbacker, I'm not a. Uh, he was in the he's in the eighty six car, so I think Farnbacker's uh coming along. Dan Cameron is driving is he still driving the wheel and engineering? No, he's moved to the Acura. I got this mm-hmm. wrong in the podcast as well. Yeah, so he's in the Acura Team Penske car and yep. then Van der Zander is in the Cadillac. So we've got two guys coming from the DPi class and someone who drove the uh NS who's going to be driving the NSX at Daytona even though we're going to release this podcast after Daytona. So has driven in the uh, <laughs> NSX
1: and Cadno space here yeah, did really well. Did badly. Had a crash. <laughs> Take pick your pick your path. Yeah, pick your poison. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, is, I think this is the first time at Bathurst for these three guys as well. I don't think we've seen Van Der Zand here before. It
0: wouldn't surprise me if he had been. But oh, sorry. I, yeah,
1: twenty sixteen. He was here in AM and didn't finish.
0: Yeah, um, and that was with uh, the Mushi Motors car. So yes. Yeah, uh, I I have I remember him being at Bathurst. The other two, I don't think so. Um, so when we talk about track experience, they're going to have to get up to speed quite quickly.
1: Mm. And there's not a huge amount of running either.
0: No, uh, you get quite a fair bit, but you know it's it's a, over it's a Bathurst. two minute lap. Yeah, so it's <laughs> Bathurst. Um, NS, Honda NSX is first time in Australia, I think, as well for for this mm. car. How do we reckon they're going to go? Uh, not sure. Not sure? A big question mark around them?
1: Massive question mark. We haven't really seen the Honda NSX lighted up in non agent GT3 racing.
0: The only time that we've seen it really do anything impressive has been in IMSA competition where it's basically factory-backed. Um, mm. I don't think... Do they even have a pro car in uh, in Europe? In blank GT Europe? Or, only sorry, when... Sorry, sorry. In SRO... GT3 World Challenge Europe.
1: Um, only when it was Team Button's thing last year, wasn't it?
0: I don't even think no. that was full pro.
1: Okay. But yeah, uh, but this one is Honda Racing JAS, which I presume stands for Japan Autosport.
0: Well, I, in the in the Wikipedia article that I'm going, from, I'm going from, because it's laid out much better than the Bathurst 12-hour um, website, uh, it's actually listed as an Italian-flagged Honda Team Motul. So...
1: Yeah, huh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting much from this thing. I, I'm not expecting
0: I mean, much, but I expect there to be a lot of interest around it because it's the first time yeah. in Australia. Agreed. Another thing I expect there to be a lot of interest around in the coming week is the walking horse motorsport BMW M6 GT3s. The reason I'm expecting there to be a fair bit of interest around it is because we have no information yet on who the drivers for those two cars are. There is literally nothing that has been announced either on the Bathurst 12-hour website mm. from BMW or appearing on the Wikipedia. And at this stage, it's a little scary. You'd want that all to be I, squared
1: away. I've done a little bit of digging and they've sort of hinted that the 32 is sort of going to be Christian Krogness, who's Mr. Walkenhorst, Yeah, in that car. The other car is going to have Augusto Farf- Farfus and Martin Tomchik, most likely. But he'd still want to announce those guys by now, I would have thought. Yeah. And if Mozzie doesn't, doesn't end up here, I'd be very surprised.
0: Yeah. Mostat has to be in one of these cars, right? Like, uh, Duh. He has to be. Um, And yeah, Tom- Tomchik and Farfus would seem like shoe-ins. Um, they're mm-hmm. racing this weekend at Daytona as well. Um, uh, in fact, Farfus, I remember, I remember Farfus's first time here the the year that BMW was crazy strong, and he said the track was effing amazing. I like, I asked yeah. him, I was just a size I was like, hey, 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 Augustus. What do you think of the track? And he's like, oh, it amazing. It's just unbelievable. So I I would be surprised if he doesn't make a case for getting back here.
1: Um, Uh, No doubt. mm. Um, But yeah, it's hard to make a prediction. We don't know where these cars are going to line up. And walk on have a habit of this. Do they? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, admittedly, previously, it's been in lower class cars like GT4 and whatnot. Yeah. But a week out from a major event that's the other side of the world to where your drivers are located.
0: Yeah. I'd also throw in maybe Jens Klingman as another name. Yeah. He was, he was here for the Asian Le Mans series race. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he's, you know, would be able to do it. Um, but interestingly, um, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to share this. So this is an insights group for the people in the chat. Um, Apparently, one of their cars is not going to get to the track on time. One of those cars is being sent... Via sea freight, which is meant to arrive in Sydney the day after the twelve hour. So,
1: the sound that, of, that was just the sound of my face hitting the desk.
0: Yeah, so that might be one of the reasons why they haven't gone announcing drivers yet.
1: So we can expect maybe it's going to be Crosner's, Farfus, and Mozzie in one car, and that might be it.
0: Maybe, yeah. They apparently, <laughs> apparently, they were working on something, a, a way to sort that out. So well, we'll fly,
1: fly a helicopter up, pick up the cargo package, take it to land. Maybe.
0: <laughs> Like well then, yeah. So that we'll we'll keep our fingers on that one to see what happens um, for the for the twelve hour for that team. I'm going to dip back in here. This is now a week after recording the podcast. And since then, we have had some information come out about BMW's uh, attack on the Bathurst 12 hour. Now, just a quick warning ahead. Uh, This will include spoilers uh, for Daytona. So, if you haven't caught up on Daytona, watch that first. So, they've confirmed uh, for Walkenhorst uh, one car for the 12-hour this year. So, downsizing from 40 cars on the entry list to 39. Uh, and the drivers will be Augusto Farfus, Chaz Mosta, as we thought that might, and also Nicky Katzberg. So, Nicky Katzberg, former BMW driver, was racing at Daytona with Corvette and is jumping back in the BMW M6 GT3 for Bathurst. Uh, now, Both Chaz and Augusto Farfus were in the car that just won the Daytona 24 hours overnight, literally overnight for us in Australia. Uh, So they're coming off a great result there uh, and they've beaten a lot of other drivers in that GTLM class that are coming over for this event. So it'll be interesting to see how that how they ride that success and if that propels them to better success at the mountain. Um, But we will have to wait and see. So great result for Augusto and Chaz, And I think downsizing to one car actually strengthens the BMW lineup quite a bit compared to diluting it over two cars. So we've got our answers now. It'll be Chaz, Augusto Farfus and Nicky Katzberg. And we will see how that goes come race day. Um, Mercedes are bringing a bunch of pro cars run by three different outfits for the 12-hour. Um, you have the number 77 car being run by Craft Bamboo Black Falcon, so getting a bunch mm-hmm. of different car people in on that one. Um, you have the number 888 car being run, unsurprisingly, by 888 Race Engineering, one of Australia's most successful racing outfits in recent years. And then the mm-hmm. final car is being run by Team Group M Racing, that's the 999. So keeping... Uh, uh the the double or triple digits uh theme alive. We'll go with the Black Falcon craft bamboo one first. Um that mm. car features Yoma Berman, Mario Engel, and Lucas Stoltz, which straight off the bat for Mercedes is a cracking car of international oh. talent. Gotcha. So Berman has been a Black Falcon car driver for a little while now. I think he was also with the HTP Motorsports. Uh, back when uh they were running in Black Pan GT, well, it was Black Pan GT Europe back then. Um, and then Mario Angle, one of the recent the new ringmasters, and Lucas Stoltz, who has been racing as a fake silver um in uh, <laughs> Black Falcon cars, and also for Riley Motorsports. Uh, prior to um him getting elevated to gold, that's a really really good good group of drivers already.
1: Yes, and I think it's the weakest of the three lineups. Really? Yep.
0: I don't think I've ever heard Myra Engel being called the weakest of anything
1: before. <laughs> I know, right? But when you get to these next two lineups...
0: Okay, I'll, I'll put a, a question mark next to that one um, because I don't quite believe you. But we'll move on to the next one. The next one is the Triple Race Engineering one. So this is the... V8 Supercar's team running their two drivers, Shane Van Gisbergen and Jamie Winkup. Everyone's heard of Shane Van Gisbergen by now, and if you haven't, fix that. Um, <laughs>
1: Get out of your rock.
0: Yeah, and Jamie Winkup, of course, won this event in 2017 running with the um, Marinello Motorsport Ferrari in his first GT3 race, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're adding to that Maximilian Gertz, who has been, again, one of Mercedes' better factory mm-hmm. drivers in recent years.
1: And that's the reason why Craig Leans isn't here, because his addition means they get AMG backing.
0: Yes. So he's the factory driver that gives them AMG backing, basically.
1: Mm. Um, Which is a trade-off, but it's not that much of a trade-off.
0: No, no, no. And especially, you know, <laughs> especially when you've got a, qual- a guy the quality of Maxi Goats. So, you know, he's he's still, re- like, relatively young when it comes to GT3 uh Years. He's only he's only thirty three. He's won the Blank Pan Sprint Series over in Europe. Um, he's had not that greater run of results since, but he's still very very good driver. Um, especially if you're an AMG factory back driver as well. Yeah. Um. Yep. I want to talk a little bit more about the two Australian guys because the, well, sorry, the two Australian-based <clears> <throat> Australian guys. Sorry, Kiwi, sorry. I know that you guys have a complex of Australia f- stealing everything that's good about your country, but... The Give Australia- us a papaliver back. <laughs> okay, only if you take back Russell Crowe.
1: No, 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 okay. Deal's off.
0: Um, so, Jamie Winkup, he is the most successful driver in Australia's V8 supercars. That's like he has the most amount that's of fact. wins. Yeah, most amount of wins. Uh, he's got seven championships. He's won the twelve. Uh, he's won the twelve hour in twenty seventeen. He won the one thousand. I think it's four times now.
1: He's lost another five.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing as well. He has a habit of losing this event, but he is still one of the best drivers in Australia, even at the age of... I think he's in his late 30s now. I think he's 36. Mm-hmm. So, and
1: if you believe that it might be his last year full-time racing.
0: Yeah, that's been very interesting as well. Um, mm. But back to his racing, he's also been running the Mercedes in the Australian GT Endurance Series um, Mm -hmm. and he's been performing extremely well in that when he's been paired up with Yasser Shahin um, and we'll get to the Shahins later on because they're also in this entry list. Shane Van Gisbergen has won the V8 Supercars Championship, has been one of the most polarizing drivers in supercars, has a massive fan base and a massive anti-fan base but (laughs) he's worked in GTs around the world. He's won the Blank Pan Endurance Series with McLaren the same year he won the... Bathurst 12 hour. The same year, he won the V8 Supercars Championship. Um, he's one of eight events in uh, SRO GT3 World Challenge Asia, um, and in he's got
1: he's hopefully won in the Lexus last weekend.
0: <laughs> Maybe, um, and you yeah, yeah. He's competed around the world in GT3 cars. So, and on top of that, both of them have massive amounts of experience at this event. So, if you're unfamiliar with those two drivers look out for that car. And I think even Mm -hmm. Shane had a massive stint at the end of last year's race in the car that Mm -hmm. was basically broken. They were having brake problems all day.
1: And he still did what he did. um, For those who still don't understand what we're raving about Shane Van Gisbergen, a couple of weeks ago at the Bend, first time in an LMP2, fastest in the first practice session.
0: (laughs) uh, mm, eh, mm. He was fastest in the pre-event testing. Which was technically not part of the event. It was, but the, he was still
1: it, he was still third fastest of all times by the end of that practice session.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to be pedantic. Um, but yeah, no. Straight away, straight into a P two car immediately. Quick, so he, he can mm. drive anything, and at a track like this, that kind of um malleability is good. Um, yes. so definitely keep an eye on that car, the number nine 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 car, Maxi Book. Uh, Felipe Fraga, Raffaele Marchiello. Marchiello earned his stripes at Macau. He won, I think, two Macau GT3 years in a row and then I think he went on and won the Blank Pan European Series as well. Felipe Fraga, Stock Car Brazil racer, recently upgraded from uh, silver to gold um, which means he can't uh, race with uh, the Riley Motorsports team in WC anymore. Uh, and Maxi Buch, just how many good people do, how many good drivers with the name Maximilian do they just keep finding in Mercedes? It's ridiculous.
1: It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. If I change my name to Maximilian, does that make me a good race car driver?
0: No, you have to also be German.
1: Das. <laughs>
0: um, uh, Book has had a bit of a, a roundabout way of getting to this point. Um, he mm-hmm. used to race with HTP Motorsport when they were running the factory Bentley team. Then they got, uh, when HTP moved to Mercedes, he stuck with HTP. Um, went on yeah. to win uh, basically everything with Mercedes. Um, Blank Band GT Series uh, came second in the Endurance Cup the first year with them. Um, he actually went back to back in the GT Series, uh, winning with HTP. Uh and then since then it's been a little quieter but still very, very solid driver. Um third mm. last year in the Inter- Intercontinental GT Challenge um in the driver's standings. Uh and yeah, has been doing a lot of racing for Mercedes. So very, very good driver, Maxi Boog.
1: Very all three very good drivers. Mm. There's one wild card here we haven't talked about that's very important.
0: What is the wild card?
1: The Mercedes AMGs this year are the twenty twenty AMGs.
0: Yes. Good call. So they managed to homologate their p- car before last year's cutoff, which means they can run that new car here.
1: hmm Now, i will be very interested to see what sort of effect that has because the Mercedes has always been thereabouts here. If we don't quite have the BOP right for it, it could this could be the Mercedes race to lose.:
0: It could also be Mercedes being nowhere near it as well.
1: True. It could go either way.
0: It could go either way. I think it's more likely to be balanced correctly. SRO are probably the only series around the world where I have never had a problem with the way they do BOP. I think the only question mark I've ever had around BOP for the SRO was the year that the Ferrari was just ridiculous at Bathurst.
1: Oh, but with Sato I... uh, and... Yeah, when Villanda was went honest, crazy. Right?
0: When they yeah, lost yeah. a lap and still managed to win by over a lap.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. Fair. that's
0: fair. So, I think that's the only time that I've had a, uh, an issue with the BOP here, but in saying that, I don't think the Evo is going to make much of a difference. Not much. Not Maybe a little. Sure no. Um, okay, okay, so, they're the three AMGs. Uh, pick me the fastest.
1: <sighs> uh,
0: the triple light.
1: he sits with no confidence whatsoever. <laughs>
0: I mean I agree, but it's it's that tight, and I think the thing that tips me towards a triple eight is uh track knowledge it's yes. just, that's 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 the only thing and that's even like not saying anything about like the other drivers from around the world. the fact that they the Winkup and Van Gisbergen are in the same team that they'd normally be running and in the same car that they have been running in g t s and on this track, which they know so intimately well. I think I, I like I you just can't go past them.
1: No, I agreed. I think Winbergen will be the best of the Mercedes.
0: <laughs> Winbergen, Winker, yep. Wincar- yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. Nicely, nicely done. Uh, McLaren are bringing their 720s to Australia for the first time. Uh sorry, for the 12 hour for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. they are running the single pro car out of there two. Uh, is the number 60 from Team 59 Racing with drivers Ben Barnicoat, Alvaro Parent, and Tom Blomqvist. Now, Bonquist is an interesting pickup for me. I didn't realize he was factory well McLaren-associated.
1: Neither did I, actually. Well, I actually thought he was BMW. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, like like he's driving in the Beamer at uh, Daytona, isn't he? Or that was last year.
0: I think that was last year. I don't think he's driving in it this year. Um, He was... Was he in the... No, he wasn't in the BMWs at Le Mans. So... Yeah.
1: To, to be fair, with BMW shuttering their program in WC land.
0: Yeah. He's
1: apparently, on the market. Apparently, in, he just left
0: BMW. BMW. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Ben Barnacote and Alvaro Parent. Alvaro Parent actually won this race in 2016 with Gizzy and John O. Webb that we've mentioned. Um, Barnacote's mm-hmm. been factory McLaren for a while now. So that's a you know an admirable lineup. Do we think the 720S is going to be a competitive car?
1: Maybe I'm not sitting on the fence, (laughs) but we've seen the seven twenty s do a lot of things in Australian GT,
0: and a lot of those things have been finding its way into the garage.
1: Yes, this is true. That's the thing, but but a lot of that I think is down to the uh, team, not necessarily the car. Unfortunately, the team's fifty nine racing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the same team. Look, uh, I think. It's it's going to be an interesting car to watch. Um, the car has been when it's been on track in the Australian GT series, um, it has been very very quick. The only problem is it's not been on track for very mm-hmm. long and doing uh, or doing very well. Um, it's been running into a lot of problems. Uh, I think they had a radiator blowout at Sandown. They had some sort of issue at uh, at the bend which took them out of the race in the last few minutes. Um, and they had mm-hmm. they had the firebomb. Go off in the car yes. um, at the finale last season, which kind of you know took them out of the race. So yeah, yeah. If if they can keep that car on track, it'll be quick. It's a matter of keeping that car on track.
1: Yeah. Good luck to them. I think yeah. this is Fraser Ross's vanity project.
0: Yeah, and he's in the in the silver car, which we'll talk about mm. a little later on. Um, yeah. and that's a very interesting driver lineup, actually. We'll we'll Ooh, delve into that is. when we get into it. Um, Aston Martin Racing are also bringing the new. Aston Martin Vantage to the first time to the Bathurst 12-hour. They are running two cars this weekend, Uh, both run by R Motorsport. Um, Mm -hmm. They've got, in the 62, Oliver uh, Caldwell, Lucas Giotto and Marvin Kirchhoff. I have
1: those in the 76, but okay.
0: Again, this is the classic (laughs) Bathurst 12-hour lineup thing. And then Mm -hmm. in the number 76 is Jake Dennis, Scott Dixon, and Rick Kelly. What an interesting trio of drivers in that other car.
1: It's an interesting six-driver lineup. Mm. We know what Jake Dennis can do. We, we saw that last year. Yep. We know what Rick Kelly can do, and he's th- he's because Castro's there, and he's bloody quick.
0: Yes, Rick Kelly is the team principal slash lead driver of Kelly Racing. Um, for those outside mm-hmm. of Australia, um, who have been running uh recently up until this season, the Nissan uh, Ultima in the V8 Supercars. Now, now that Nissan have withdrawn from the V8 Supercars, he's uh, running with Castrol backing, as you made mention of, and Castrol is sponsoring our motorsport, and that car looks freaking sick.
1: It does, not it? And then Scott Dixon. Is this <laughs> right? first race in the G- is this his first race in the GT3? Or... Because he's obviously mm-hmm. GT GTE. He's going to be racing a prototype this weekend, or uh, he raced a prototype at Daytona. He's... I don't think he's even a GT3 car.
0: He's mostly raced IndyCar and... Daytona Prototype. Oh, and the GT yeah. Le Mans. Yeah, this might be his first race in a GTE car like ever. A I'm GT3
1: so car excited, I'm so excited to see what he can do. That's because, oh,
0: weird. So weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I really want to see what he can do because of course growing, being born in Brisbane growing up in New Zealand Bathurst means everything to him as much as mm-hmm. any other person from this country. He's, I think he's finally living out a, long, a lifelong dream to race here.
0: Yeah, right. I don't think he—he's not raced here in V8 Supercars at all. So no. this is this is going to be his first race at Bathurst. Um, uh, interestingly, yeah. Well, of course he's running under a New Zealand license because he's just yes. apparently he was New Zealand Sportsman of the Year back in 2008 and 2013.
1: Yeah. What? Those the those the years the the All Blacks didn't do anything, so we had to pick someone <laughs> else.
0: Yeah, good call. Um, and then the <laughs> other car. So Mark Marvin Kirkhofer has been uh. Con- uh R Motorsports driver for a while, at least I think. The name mm-hmm. sticks out. Yeah, he's been racing with R Motorsports for the last two seasons. Prior to that was with Black Falcon and Carlin, actually, in GT2 back in yep. the day. Um, Lucas Giotto, we've recently seen in make the jump from GT2 or GP2 to sports cars. Uh, mm-hmm. He was racing with Janetta over in the, uh, the WEC. He raced at Fuji with them. Um, hasn't done a race with them since, unfortunately. Um, and then Oliver Caldwell. I'm not too sure about where Oliver Caldwell comes from.
1: Okay. Uh, he has very little racing history to go by because he's only 17.
0: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, He's racing in the... Last year, he raced in the Formula... I'm going to say that's Formula 3. Okay. In the uh, European Championship. He won at Imola with second places. And... Th- a, f- a trio of third places as well at hungara ring okay um so he's no scrub he's no he's he's, he's no scrub so, tlc want him
0: cool so <laughs> he's up and coming up and coming driver that'll be interesting i want to keep an eye on him then throughout the mm. weekend uh because the
1: other two are great drivers so it's just because yeah. of what will ollie do and is he going to be overawed by this place like like most international drivers their first steps just going Holy crap, yeah. Australians are weird! <laughs> well,
0: the thing that strikes me about our motorsports lineup is that they don't have... I think the only GT3 specialists in those cars are Kirkoffer and Dennis. Yes. The rest who of them from come the... from other places.
1: Mm. And who's the uh, motorsport driver that's not here?
0: Uh... Nikki Tim. Ah, yeah, you're right. Not technically our motorsport, but Aston Martin factory, mm, definitely.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But interesting interesting i mean i was racing in the daytona, am yeah. in daytona but in the gt3 car
0: yes hmm that's a very peculiar thing mm. so so how do you rate these two teams chances then you've got the new car we've got not really a gt3 specialist but they were one of the teams to beat last year in the number number war well, number 62 car it was last year i think
1: Mm. well I think the uh, colonial car is going to be the better of the two by far yeah Um, just on the strength of we don't know much about Ollie Cardwell but like you said he's going to be quick enough but yeah I'd imagine it, it's going to come down to how quick is the Aston the new Aston because we haven't seen it at Bathurst before we so. haven't
0: seen it uh, like in Australia before like at
1: mm. all apart from the bend
0: oh yeah that's true I keep forgetting about that i'm still i'm still shell shocked from uh from being there I don't even remember anything that happened
1: oh you're busy working
0: i was i was busy working a little bit um so last year Jake Dennis and Marvin Kirkkoffer both were in that car together with matteo Vaxevier to finish second uh mm-hmm. overall so i think yeah that's it's a it's a bit of an enigma for me i I've got a big question mark next to that one for me. Uh, A car I don't have a question mark around is the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 uh, being piloted or being run by uh, Orange One FFF racing team. We've come out of nowhere, basically, and just started winning in blank pan straight away. Um, They are the uh, factory-supported car for Lamborghini, and they have Andrea Caldarelli, Marco Mapelli, and Dennis Lind in the car.
1: What do you want me to say? They're fantastic. <laughs>
0: they are fantastic. Um so I think this is uh Dennis Lynn's f- Ooh, first run out as a GT th- a factory GT3 driver. That can't be right. Mm.
1: Uh no, that can't be right.
0: There's there's nothing on him post 2016 uh in on Wikipedia, which is a bit <laughs> annoying. Um but in saying that he is uh he's a McLaren factory of uh, McLaren Lamborghini factory driver who's won uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Uh, he was the winner in 2016 uh, of the World mm-hmm. Finals, so he's definitely got some got some stuff behind him. Um, Absolutely,
1: and we know the car's going to be strong. But for the fact that Lamborghini's never be, really been strong here.
0: Well, they've never run a pro team here. The, this is true. The only teams even, that... the,
1: even the AM teams haven't really.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's more of an Australian AM problem than, well, yeah. an Australian yeah. team problem, right, rather than a Lamborghini problem. But Calderelli and M- Mapella, those names are two names I really am familiar with, and they are both very, very quick drivers. Oh,
1: God, you. Yeah. So I've, I've got this in the category of podium, unless something goes horribly wrong.
0: Really, you're rating yeah. them that highly. I am. Wow. That's that's a bit of a stretch. That's more than I would be willing to give them, I think.
1: Well, they definitely get the best Lamborghini on the grid. Oh, wait. That's because they're the only Lamborghini.
0: Scratch that. <laughs> they are not the only Lamborghini. They are not the only Lamborghini. They are the only M- Lamborghini in the pro grid.
1: In pro. <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: Um, I'm surprised you rate them that highly. I don't think... Uh, I. Mm, No, I I can't see it compared to some of the other teams. Like, if you look at the Triple Eight, I'd say that's a a podium car. I'd say the Triple Nine's even a podium car. I'd say the One's a podium car. Any of the three Audis could be a podium car. I don't don't see the Lamborghini bettering all of them, let alone any of them.
1: Take the car out of it. Take the lineup. Do you rate that lineup on a par of, say... At Bamford Lounge. No, you don't.
0: I don't. I think Bamford Bamford Lounge would beat at Bathurst. Would beat Calderelli, Linda, Mapelli in any machinery at Bathurst. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe not anywhere around the world, but at Bathurst.
1: Okay. Now I'll I'll, I'll I'll pick up what you're putting down there. That's a. I still reckon there's a. I still reckon there's a uh, car that's going to be. Very close to the podium.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say it'd be it'd be a top five car, but to say it's definitely a podium unless something goes wrong, I think it's a bit much. <laughs>
1: okay. For me. That's fair. For, that's fair. Cool. Um, Everyone's entitled their opinion, especially if it's wrong. <laughs> especially if it's wrong. In fact, on this podcast,
0: only if it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. That is the Pro Grid. Cool. So that is the 21 Pro Cars. Uh, we've had a bit of go of each of them. Now, give me... A top three. You've said that the Lamborghinis should be a podium, so obviously yep. you're committing to that, and I'm not letting you I get am. away from that. Give me, no, a, give it. me two other cars.
1: So I th- obviously 63 Lamborghini Huracan. Huracan, Huracan. Uh, the number one or moment Moment Sport because why not?
0: <laughs> low Bam Thor.
1: Yep, Bamthor Thor Low, um, and stuff at the Triple Eight.
0: Yeah, that's. Pretty much where I was going as well. I was going to go but, one triple eight and triple nine.
1: So, if I had to add a fourth car in there, I reckon to be the the KCMG.
0: Really? Uh yep. The the um Burden Chio Matsuda car.
1: Yep. Huh. I. I
0: you reckon- have been known. You have been known on this podcast for making some really dark horse predictions that either do very very well or absolutely terribly.
1: <laughs> But I reckon Josh Bird is one of those drivers that... this. You could see how every year the race has a driver that sort of comes out of the ether. Yeah, okay. I reckon this might be his race.
0: He he will be the one esteemed into Bathurst folklore forever.
1: Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Um, I like what I see from him.
0: Okay. Okay, I'll give you one more car as well. We'll we do a top five.
1: Okay, fine. R Motorsport, 62. Kelly Dennis Dixon.
0: I'm interested to hear that you're steering away from the uh the Aldis and the Bentleys.
1: Yes, I am. Hmm. Not because I don't think they're capable, just because I think Bathurst is the sort of place that throws up wild cards, so sometimes you get some wild card results, and that's sort of where I'm going here. <laughs> you are nothing but
0: a wild card in your personal life, aren't you?
1: No, Very true. Not. No, he's not. <laughs> Oi. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Okay, because I would I would definitely say at least one of the Audis. I can't really choose between them, but I I'll throw my lot in behind the twenty two, um and uh like I'd say I'd say the seven maybe it's mm-hmm. it gets very like there's not really anyone that re- super stands out in the crowd um beyond those those three first cars that I mentioned. So yeah, really interesting, huh? So yeah. yeah, the Pro Race is in itself is going to be crazy. 21 cars that we've made mention of. On top of that as well, there is also Pro-Am and Silver Cup cars that uh, are going to be racing in this event. And there's some really, really interesting names, not only from a Australian perspective, but from a worldwide sports cars perspective as well in these mm-hmm. categories. Um, and of course, these cars can also compete for IGTC points and IGTC standings. Um, so I think was it Kenny Habul last year won yes. the IGTC Pro Am category?
1: Mm-hmm. Kenny hubble won something. What? Um, <laughs> Kenny Habul didn't crash or something. What? Yeah, okay,
0: that's a bit mean. Sorry, we love you, Kenny. It's amazing. He he's got a second place at this race before as well. Yes, he has. Yeah. Um. So we'll go. We'll go through the the Pro Am listing as well. So I think there's. Let me just quickly count them up. One, two, three, six, four, seven. It says on my list.
1: Huh. Yep. Seven. Ha! (laughs) Six, according to Bathurst Travel website. Okay, we'll go through these. (laughs) We'll we'll go through them. What's the worst that could happen?
0: Um, So, the first one is being run by El Bamba Motorsports in the Porsche. So, this is the number 12 car of David Calvert-Jones, who has been running Pro-Am at Bathurst for the last few years in Porsches, um, famously with the icebreak sponsorship, uh, if you've Mm -hmm. seen the car prior. And then... uh, Young up and coming New Zealand uh, Porsche driver Jackson Evans, um, who yep. won the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia, was it two seasons ago, and co- got picked up into the Porsche Young Driver Program to race in Super Cup and that sort of thing? Yep. And is going
1: around again this year.
0: Oh, is he going around again? Okay, fair enough. Yep. And just some French guy called Romain Dumas. Who? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think he just raced at Le Mans once or twice, might have won a WEC championship, you know no no big
1: deal this is um yeah no big deal at all this is eerily similar to when matt campbell burst on the scene at bathurst
0: eerily similar exactly it was in this car as well wasn't it yeah
1: with with david calvert jones patrick long and alex davison yeah and And roman demar instead of patrick long that's a that's a wash if not this car be even being better
0: exactly and and this kind of sets it up perfectly for a guy like jackson evans to come in and do something stupidly cool because um, yeah. if you've been following like i've been following him through like the lower ranks of porsche crook Cup in australia so it's got like the challenge series and then the main game and he would just tear weekends apart series apart he was unstoppable so mm-hmm. for him to get an opportunity like this on this sort of stage keep your eyes on him he's gonna do oh. something
1: amazing He's gonna do something amazing, and I'm pretty sure that when Super then Porsche Carrera Cup raced here, he won two of the three races.
0: It wouldn't surprise me because he is not that good in in these yeah. sort of cars. Uh,
1: so got, I was gonna say, and of course, David Calvert Jones, we know what he can do.
0: Oh yeah, um, as far as pro am drivers in Australia go, it just just it, he's he's an absolute rock, just an absolute rock. Yeah absolutely so that car this weekend isn't running with icebreak sponsorship they're running with uh ned whiskey sponsorship so it's so a bit harder it's just a, it's, yeah <laughs> stepping it up in a, a little bit um but it's going to be that's going to be a car to watch in the program pro am outfit they they and might the even I- they might even be top 5 overall with this driver lineup
1: well top 5 out seven is not a stretch is it
0: no 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 uh, overall, not oh, pro am. I'm I'm talking overall. Mm-hmm. This car has finished I think in twenty seventeen they finished fourth overall. So This is true. So Calvert Lewins is no scrub and uh they they definitely they definitely have the capability if for example if Cam, uh sorry if a- Evans has a cracking race to mm. do something ridiculous. In fact yeah, so- this, this race uh, this car finished second overall in twenty seventeen the year that uh Veander did Veander things,
1: yeah because that was Mark Leibs who of remained to Mars, so you know mm. <laughs> but yeah that this is a car definitely worth watching um it's definitely gonna be better than the other portion of the program grid uh
0: we'll have a bit of chat of that one then um grove racing uh this car. Is going to be run, of course, by Stephen Grove, who runs, I believe it's a, um, toilets, uh, like mobile toilets and sanitary company. Grove Hire, Gro- yes. Grove Hire, yep.
1: Um, and construction. He was, and he, okay. uh, the school near me was being constructed by Grove Hire.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Um, and then his son, Brenton Grove, who is, uh, who was running Super 2 recently. You know, semi-decent results. And then Ben Barker, who was raced with, uh, Grove Motorsports before and also with golf racing in the WEC competition.
1: Interestingly, that this car is in Pro-Am because it, Stephen Grove was always your B-Class Carrera Cup guy. Yes. He would just pay pay to win, basically, yeah. bringing out guys Barker or Impiatori and that yeah. sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But now B-Class isn't Carrera Cup, so he can't do that. Um, Interestingly, though, uh, so the, the way that the class structure works for this event is that um in Pro-Am, you can only have one Pro-Driver, and then in Silver mm-hmm. Cup, it's going to be all or AMs, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do give this car a bit of stick because, you know, it is a bit of a meme team in in Australia. You know, Stephen Grove's a good amateur driver, but as you made mention, kind of pay to win. This car, though, at least this team, came third in the FIA World (laughs) Motorsport Games at Vallelunga. Yeah. So, obviously, um they can't be that bad. (laughs)
1: No, they can't be. But that race was also a crapshoot. Uh, <laughs> In it's, many respects.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, they had Bathurst experience. You can't say they don't have Bathurst experience. This is true. And they this are familiar is... with the drivers. The drivers are all familiar with each other as well.
1: Very true. So Very you true. know, it's
0: not. It's not. Uh, they could win. <laughs> 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 it, it's That's not. Good. It's not un uh, unreasonable to say, hey, a car with a World Endurance Championship driver a up-and-coming Australian driver and one of the best AMs in Australia could win a Pro-Am class. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) We do like to rag on Grove Racing, but they're actually quite good. Um, There are a few other Australian-based Pro-Am cars in the field. Um, The Hallmark Racing number 9 car is one of those. Uh, This is being run by Mr. Hallmark, uh, Mark Cheney. Mm-hmm. Um, who has been racing in AM categories in Carrera Cup and in Audi r LMS Cup and Australian GT. He's a decent AM driver. Um, paired with him is Dean Fiore, former V8 Supercars driver and current V8 Super... Yeah, he is still current V8 Supercars yeah, super. driver. Um, Lee Holdsworth. Uh, so, Lee Holdsworth has won a few races, uh, got a podium at the Sandown 500 last season, currently racing for Tickford, who is the uh not factory factory Ford team.
1: <laughs> he's the old man of Tickford.
0: He is the old man of Tickford. Um and Dean Fiore,
1: he's like he's he's, solid. Yeah, he's he's like he's all right. Um he's he's not gonna bin it, put it that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's got a lot of experience in this track. And Mark Cheney as yeah. well is a quality driver. Um mm. shouldn't put it in the fence. Um so they would be one to keep an eye on um mm-hmm. they're not the uh, mark's not the strongest am in the field uh i'd definitely say calvert uh calvert law calvert jones you know, i've been watching too much uh premier league uh yeah calvert jones <laughs> would probably be the the strongest or most consistent am at bathurst in the field but you know mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to be nowhere
1: no no that's that's fair although looking at the other lineups i don't think they're as strong as the other lineups you don't think so no.
0: That's fair enough. Okay, well, we'll talk about a lineup which has no drivers next. Trofeo Motorsport are listed on the entry list. They have, at this point mm-hmm. in time, no drivers. Um, in an Australian GT, that, kind of, that car has been a bit of a revolving door. It's seen Shane Van Gisbergen. It's seen Liam Talbot. It's seen Jim Minolius. It's seen... Well, it's his car. It is his car, yeah. So, uh, I would be surprised if Jim doesn't have a seat, but it's a matter of who would want to sit in with him is the thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, to give you guys an idea, remember this car last year had Ivan Capelli? Yes, that Ivan Capelli.
0: Yeah, so it could be, like, <laughs> almost literally anyone. You could see yeah. Nico Rosberg turn up in this car for all we know.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Like, it uh, is just
0: it is just that much of a random lucky deal. Um, Trafé- I mean, to be fair,
1: Jim Minolius has a reasonable amount of money. He can just throw money at whatever he wants and usually get what he wants.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he does own the Australian GT Series, and that's an entire other podcast in itself. Um, Mm. so, you know, it could literally be anyone in this car. The thing is though, Jim's not that quick. So as per usual, a week later, we have more information. So Jim Minolius is actually not going to be in that car. Uh, instead we have a four driver lineup uh, consisting of a few drivers on the outer, maybe, of top-level Australian motorsports. So we mentioned Liam Talbot. He will be in the car. He is a silver-rated driver who uh, races in Carrera Cup Australia and Australian GT. Also in that car will be Dean Canto, a former V8 Supercars driver who has recently been racing as a co-driver for teams. It was Tickford in 2018, and last season, I think it was with Brad Jones Racing. So not necessarily the highest-rated co-drives, but certainly a driver to keep an eye on. Um, and then there's a driver called Marcel Zalua, who I have absolutely no idea about. So I'll be keeping tabs on his his performance during the race. And finally, the fourth driver to round out that car is a former Australian TV presenter, Grant Denyer. Well, actually, he might even still be a current TV presenter. So Grant Denier, uh, he's actually been a race driver on the side for quite a number of years and uh, raced at Bathurst in the Bathurst 1000 alongside Cameron Waters when Cameron Waters won uh, the Road to Bathurst reality TV show uh, that they did that year, which would have been quite literally 10 years ago. Uh, Grant is actually quite a good driver uh, himself. He raced with Marinello Motorsports previously. I think that was in 2016. So he's definitely got... uh, uh, Maybe prestige behind him is the wrong way uh, wrong way to put it, but he's definitely not an awful driver. Um, it is quite funny, though, seeing uh, Grant Denier, uh, who is the host of game shows like Australia's Family Feud and dumb stuff like that, racing at the seat of a GT3 car. So that car, I still wouldn't rate that car as high as some of the other uh, Pro-Am cars. In fact, that car has actually been relegated to Silver Cup, uh, so all of those drivers are amateurs. so That kind of tells you a bit more about the quality of those drivers. Uh, again, I wouldn't put it at the top of Silver Cup, but it is certainly something to consider. Um, I'm going to skip uh, a car and we'll go to the second of the Garage 59 cars, which is running under Pro-Am. So this car mm-hmm. has uh, former Blank uh Endurance Champion Combe Ledergar in it, mm-hmm. uh, driving an Aston Martin GT3. Uh, and then has uh, Alexander West, who has been driving with Garage Fifty Nine as the uh, Pro Am for a while, and Chris Goodwin, um, who again is been driving for Aston Martin for quite a while. I'm not familiar with Chris Goodwin too much,
1: um, but he had uh, a he had a great 2019 in the AM Cup in Blunt Pain. Really? Yep. He of the five races, one at Paul Ricard, second at Catalonia, third at Monza and Silverstone.
0: Wow, that's actually a pretty pretty good effort. And this is the car that uh, he'd been driving um, normally in that car with Alex West, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Chris Harris as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, he's actually in his mid-50s or early 50s, sorry. Um, so definitely a pretty ammy am But that's actually, like, with Cone Lediger and Alex West, that's actually not too bad a driver mm, lineup.
1: I, I like that lineup a lot. Mm. Um, track knowledge is going to be what kills him. You know, at this yeah. at the race. I think it's gonna be what curtails their chances compared to the likes of Calvert Jones, and Jamar.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Um and then the last two cars on the Pro Am entry list are a pair of Mercedes. One being run by Sun Energy One Racing. This is the Kenny Habul machine. Um so the drivers that he's got paired up with him are a pair of Austrians in Dominic Baumann and Martin Conrad, uh who mm-hmm. I think uh Bauman raced here last year in a Mercedes as well. And uh, and Conrad is of Conrad Motorsports in the States. So previously ran Lamborghinis uh, in that series. Uh, And then the pro in that car is David Reynolds, uh, who won the Bathurst 1000 in 2017, uh, is the larrikin of the V8 supercars field (laughs) and is an all-round decent bloke.
1: Yes. And he's going to drive that thing like this night tomorrow because he's really quick in a GT3. He, he, GT3.
0: he actually won the first ever like main race at the bend. Uh, he won the Australian GT two hours and 40 minutes race paired with, I can't remember, but he won it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, that, that's a very good lineup. As long as Kenny Hubble, who he's not the quickest guy around, let's be blunt. Fair enough. Yeah, but the other three are more than good enough to cover for his two and a half hours of drive time.
0: And on top of that as well, he's actually like won races in Pro-Am in Blank GT Sprint Club. Mm. Um, he's won races... Well, actually, he, he won the IGTC Championship uh, in 2018. Um, he came second overall in a pro car at Bathurst. Um, in 2018, driving with Martiello, Tristian Vortier, and Jamie Winkup. So, and like, he's driven with, get this, get this, right? In 2018, mm-hmm. he raced in at Bathurst with Martiello, Vortier, and Winkup, at Spa-Francorchamps, yep. with Thomas Jaeger, Martin Con- Conrad, and Bernd Schneider. <laughs> And then at Suzuka and Laguna Seca with Lucas Stoltz and uh, Michael Grainer, So he's got great drivers around him as well. So like
1: his phone book would be amazing to read. Yeah,
0: right. So like you know, we, we like to have a bit of a laugh, but he's he can put together a quick car, so He can. Keep an eye on that one. And the final Pro Am entry is run out of 888 Race Engineering uh, in a Mercedes. It is the number 777 um, of Yasser and Sam Shahin, uh, who own and build uh, built the Bend, um, Nick Foster, and Anton De Pasquale, one of the. Well, in fact, Davy Reynolds' teammate at Erebus Motorsport in the V8 Supercars. Now, that is a pretty impressive lineup in terms of yeah. uh, drivers and team.
1: Yeah. Now, we saw. Yes, Shahin Shaheen right, and Sam race a bit recently in GT3 and... Well, basically, whatever they can afford they do, to buy, which is everything.
0: Yeah, so yeah. so I think Yasser races in Radical Australia Cup uh, mm-hmm. and GT3. Uh, that car will probably have the band someone's to ship, by the way. Um, Sam Shaheen oh, races cool. Porsche GT3 uh, Carrera Cup. Um, mm-hmm. They... They're good drivers. They're really good drivers. In fact, Jamie Winslow was actually their driver coach. So,
1: Well, geez, they're learning from one of the...
0: Very best, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And of course, we know what Foster and Deeper Squally can do. That's just a mm. given.
0: Deeper Squally came up through basically the Australian karting system. So karting, Formula Ford, Formula Renault, and then got his mm. start in uh, the Dunlop series with Paul Morris. So yeah, he actually... Right. Um, that that a, yeah, he's done quite a bit of driving uh, around Paul Morris's interests. Uh, I think he was racing here last year in a Mark car and set like mm-hmm. some blisteringly fast laps. So he's he's a very good driver, and he's been of the like recent wave of newcomers to the Supercar series. He's clearly been the one that's looking most likely to be a championship contender in the coming years.
1: Yeah, I go with that.
0: Yeah, so. Give me, give me the winner from pro am. 12. 12? sticking, sticking to twelve. Okay, give me, give me yeah. the top three.
1: uh I, so apart from the twelve, I'm going to go the the garage fifty nine, the one one eighty eight. Yep, and I reckon the triple seven.
0: I'm going to go triple seven and seventy five. Yep, I reckon. I reckon Kenny Bull has some. Bull has some magic around this place.
1: He does. That's true.
0: Yeah. Uh, so after pro am, there's silver cup. So silver cup is only amateurs. Um. So the idea being that you maximum is a silver, so it's silver cup. That's why. Um. So we have two, four, five, six, six, six cars. You got that right this time. Six, six cars on the entry list. Um. So we will start with uh wall racing. Uh, they are uh Australian based um outfit. Uh with Adrian Dietz, uh Tony Dalberto, Cameron Conville, and Jules Westwood. Um Dietz? Dites dietes? I don't know how to say that. I was that name sticks out at me as something I should know but don't. But then Dalberto and Cameron McConville are like old V eight supercars racers. And then yeah. Jules Westwood, I have no idea.
1: Yeah. Adrian Dites, he's driven this Lamborghini. For a few years now, okay. Um, yep. Yeah, they even took it to Suzuka. Oh, well, there you go. Last year, um, he's okay. Yep, they, he. Um, they finished. Oh, he finished fourth last year in Pro Am. Okay, that's not too bad. So he's a, he's a decent. He's a decent peddler. Yeah, Jules Westwood, I don't immediately recognise.
0: But with Dalberto and McConville, who have raced here longer than I've been alive, in McConville's yeah. case. Um, they oh, yeah. sh- they should have a decent platform to which in which they can build upon.
1: Yeah, and I think actually Jules Westwood also was drove last year with Adrian Dites. So oh well,
0: there you go.
1: He knows this place. Perfect. Um, I'm assuming this is the Lambo that's going to be the Hypno Lambo.
0: Yes, gotta gotta love the Hypno Lambo.
1: <laughs> yes. So
0: it's so, bas- it's basically painted like an old uh, Japanese uh, fighter uh, air fighter, basically with yeah. all the rings.
1: So that's gonna be that's gonna be a cool car to maybe not watch because it might hurt your eyes just a little. But it's gonna be a cool car to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well. You know. If when you can. Uh. Next car for the Silver Cup is Tony Bates Racing. Tony Bates um is a uh, has been racing the Audi RA LMS Cup. Um. He actually I believe won that championship and got a ride at the Nurburgring, uh, in a pro am car. I believe. <laughs>
1: Not not a bad little... Um... No,
0: he's a very, very skilled uh, turner. I think he's probably one of the maybe best or second best uh, Audi amateur drivers in Australia. Maybe yeah, him. I'd go with that. And then he's paired with arguably the other one, whether it's number one or two, with Jeff Emery in the car, um, who won yeah. the Australian GT Endurance Championship and the Australian GT Championship last year. So
1: Yeah, but the most interesting driver here is Dylan O'Keefe.
0: Why is Dylan O'Keefe interesting?
1: He's one of these young up and comers in the Super Two world. He um drove he's he drove last year for Gary Rogers, his first year in Super Two. And he's had a few decent results. He finished fifth at Queensland Raceway, sixth at Bathurst in the two in the two fifty K race. Yes. Uh he actually had a debut in the main game as well when Richie Stanaway got stood Can. down for a race.
0: <laughs> yes. Um he's he's proper quick and it's important that we talk about Gary Rogers motorsport here. So if you followed, uh, Australian supercars racing, or if you followed our supercars chat podcast that we tried and failed at, um, it's Gary Rogers has a knack for finding talent, for finding those drivers that will break into the main game and do amazing things. So on his list of drivers that he's brought into the main game include Scott McLaughlin, Jamie Winkup, uh, Stephen Richards, uh, even further afield, Lee Holdsworth, Michael Caruso. Uh, I even think he had Dean Fiore for a little while, maybe. I think mm-hmm. he even brought in Cameron Conville. Garth Tander as well, uh, originally started as a Gary Rogers motorsport driver. Um, Jason Barguana, who's a driving standards observer for a bunch of the series in Australia now. he Gary Rogers has a knack of finding talent and giving it the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. So Dylan O'Keefe, as a Gary Rogers driver, there's a, a bit expected of him, and he's yeah. beginning to show that talent now.
1: Yes, of course, he also won a few races in TCR last year as well.
0: Yes, driving the, which is, the uh, Alfa Romeo.
1: Yes, which is not an easy series to win because there's some quality drivers in there.
0: Yes, yes, there is indeed. I uh, will um, talk more about that if we get around to talking about Bathurst 6-Hour, um, if we yes. do a podcast on that, because they're actually racing as a support category for the 6-Hour. They are indeed. Um, and just to round off this car, Max Twig, another solid amateur driver in Australia, Um and that's the Tony Bates racing car. I actually think that's a very
1: good car. It's a very solid car. I like that one. That's mm. one of my favorites.
0: I I'd put it up there as maybe what, top three for the silver cup. Maybe even top step. Maybe. Yep. Quite possibly. Uh, Mercedes have a silver cup car with uh, run by Black Falcon. So Of course the, they do. Of course they do. At the moment, they've got Sergei uh, or Afanasev. <laughs> Close at, enough. I think. Afanasyev, I, I, I'm sorry. Sorry to any Russians listening to us. I can't pronounce that name adequately. Um, and the other driver in that car is Patrick Asenheimer, who I can. Uh, he's. I, I'm not too sure on what the what to expect from these guys, and they have got a TBA in that car as well. So yeah. Um, apparently Afan Afanasyev, I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he's actually done a bunch of uh Formula racing in Europe yep a uh, Russia. five
1: yep. masters formula three Auto GP even racing GT1 world championship for a bit
0: yeah uh the for the few years that was the thing um so you know not like sort of not steering wheel is yeah exactly um but it's not a name that I'm immediately familiar with mm. so I couldn't tell you more uh but the and... fact
1: is we've got a TBA there so we didn't we just don't know for yeah. sure.
0: So we'll move on to a car we do know for sure. Um, The number 59 car from Team 59 Racing. Uh, This (laughs) is going to be the Australian uh, McLaren effort. Uh, So this has Fraser Ross, which has been the driver for the Team 59 Racing in that McLaren all of last season. Dominic (laughs) Storey, his main rival in that series, who was driving (laughs) for Eggleston Motorsport in a Mercedes AMG. And then a Croatian guy called Martin Codridge who I've never heard of before in my entire life because he's 22.
1: Yes. Raced last year, international GT open in the McLaren finished second.
0: Oh, nice. And he had a championship win in the blank GT series, Asia in 2018. So yep. obviously he's a quality steerer. Um, and the fact is, Story and Ross will have track knowledge behind them as well. Uh, and they're both very good drivers. It's actually really interesting for me to see them in the same team after seeing them pit against each other <laughs> so much last year.
1: Yeah. This problem is, Fraser Ross.
0: Why do you say that's a problem?
1: Oh, it's not so much a problem. It's just his team's never, I've never really warmed to him.
0: Yeah, like, okay, that's fair enough, and there was problems, uh, that car suffered a fair amount of problems last year, taking it out of races, Mm. but they were quick, Ross was quick, Ross and Simpson in that car last year were quick in the Australian GT Series, Um, so I wouldn't write them off, I'd say that that's a podium contender as well.
1: I think it's also the fact that his car has so many sponsors on it, including Boost Mobile. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, you really got, got not happy about Boost Mobile at all. No, I am not. Okay, I am we'll, so not. We'll move on before Kiwi throws a heart valve. <laughs> uh, two more cars on the silver entry list. Uh, it's uh, the first one is a Nissan GTR run by Hobson Motorsport or Garth uh, and Garth Warden Racing, um, and that car has Brett Hobson, namesake of yeah. Hobson, uh, Hobson Motorsport, and then the kosteki brothers, Jake and Kurt Kastecki. Well. Sorry, the relatives. I can't keep track of which Kostecki is which nah, anymore. I'm
1: pretty sure that Jake and Kurt are brothers. Yeah, okay, and then it's They're the, they're the brothers.
0: Then it's But what Brody. about Bodie?
1: Bodie's a cousin?
0: Oh, I don't
1: I don't know, this I don't know they could if he's not Tasmanian they could also be brothers and fathers <laughs> okay uh, so
0: if you're not familiar with the Kostecki name uh, they're a trio of upcoming drivers in Super 2 they've been putting together some really really good results actually they had a uh, sort of uh, go at the main game with a wild card effort for the three endurance cup rounds to be
1: fair it wasn't a terrible effort of that either no no
0: they were outstanding they were mixing hmm. with the main games I think uh, I think Brody had a 8th place in the main game uh, Race of the Grid at Sandown. So they were actually quite yeah. good. Um, they're, they're quality drivers, definitely, and it wouldn't surprise me to see one or all make the uh, V8 Supercars in not too long. Uh, potentially with their own team. Yeah, potentially with their own team as well. Um, and Hobson is an AM driver who has never really surprised me uh, never really done anything super amazing. Um, he's actually raced at this event prior um, the year, the first year, no, the second year uh, the GTR came back. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't too exciting in all all things considered.
1: I'm going to keep an eye on that car, mainly because of Kostiki 1 and Kostiki 2. Yeah, exactly. They, they're fun to watch.
0: They are. They're, they're great fun to watch. And great um, fun to just talk to. <laughs> They they're just, they're just so into it. They they love every single second of mm. it. It's like they're living their dream. It's great.
1: I mean, the wild card they ran was especially a team of five people. Mm. Three brothers and two others.
0: Yeah, racing up against like organizations like Triple Eight. So you know they're serious business. Mm. Uh the final Silver Cup car, now this is a serious car. Oh, out, of garage, is, out of Garage how 59. Oh, this is a Silver Cup car. <laughs> yeah, right. Out of out of Garage 59, featuring uh in the Aston. Martin, Uh, Ross Gunn, up-and-coming factory driver, Matthias Lauder, and Andrew Watson. Woo-wee! What a car. What an absolute car.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is Garage 59 as opposed to 59 racing. Let's not get those two confused. Of course not. (laughs) Uh, um, But Holy cow.
0: I I would actually be interested to know whether or not Paul Dallalana was meant to drive that car.
1: I was going to say the same thing. Um, Obviously, because of his skiing accident, where he... I can mucket his foot up.
0: Oh, it was his foot? I thought it was his. I rib. believe so. Oh,
1: well. I, thought, I read foot. Okay. Either way, Canadian skiing accident. So no, so no big Canadian beer this year,
0: which is a shame because I love how, I love having him around the paddock. He's just mm. so warm to talk to. You. But anyway, this car, Watson and Gun are like factory drivers. Like, mm. how is this silver car?
1: It's absurd. It is. We know absurd. that. Thing is, Ross Gunn is an absolute gun. Ha. Huh. Matthias is an absolute gun. True. And actually, Watson. Has been doing this for so long now.
0: Like this guy could seriously, like I don't think yeah. it's going to be doing this for so long. He's twenty
1: four. <laughs> well, but it seems like he's been doing it for so long.
0: Exactly. He's <laughs> he's been racing. He raced in British GT in twenty fifteen as a seventeen year old. Yeah. Does the math check out? The math does check does. out. The math does check out. No, no, twenty 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 as a as a as a eighteen year old. But even so. Yeah, so it's just it's crazy how quickly he's gone on to be amazing.
1: Um, of course, all three will be coming straight from the Daytona.
0: Yep. Um, all racing together in Daytona as well. Mm-hmm. So I reckon that car could get its way deep into the Pro-Am field as well.
1: I was going to say, this car could win Pro-Am.
0: There, there's, there's still the number 12 there. No, wait, that one will win overall, and then this one will win Pro-Am.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And anyway, we have a GT4 win silver.
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't know that's looking at the GT4 field I don't think that's going to happen.
1: True, true. But for me if the Garage 59 car is not on the top step the engine's the engine's decided to take a walk off to orange.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the truth. Um yep. so we're already an hour and 50 minutes into this podcast. We we'll, that's the end of the GT3 lineup. A massive GT3 cohort. Honestly, it's ridiculous how big this event has become for GT3s. In saying that, though, it has come at the expense of the other classes. There is Mm. six cars not in GT3 spec, of which two are GT4s, uh, a RHC Jorgenstorm BMW run by Darren Eric Jorgensen, Brett Storm, and Danny Van uh, Dongen, Mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit of a funny name, I'm sorry, um, who I know nothing about. And then Mark Griffith, who runs the Australian GT3 series, is running a Mercedes GT4, like, and he's the only listed driver. Um, I honestly so couldn't could tell have one. Honestly, couldn't tell you anything about the GT4 cars, like, at all. Um, Invitational class, strong have
1: won this class previously, but oh. a class of two potentially one.
0: Yeah, not really. It's it's not strong. Um, mm. Invitational is a litany of Mark cars. Um, so I'll just pick out some really interesting names. Steve Owen, former F1, uh, former F1, former V8 Supercars driver uh, in the number 20. Nick Perkat, uh, current V8 Supercars driver is in the number 91 car mm-hmm. um, alongside Camilleri and Cameron who are marked racing drivers as well uh, like, mm-hmm. who have been racing with this car previously. Um, Tyler Everingham is in the 92 who is probably one of the brightest stars in Super 2 at the moment.
1: Yeah, young Um, bloke too.
0: Very, very young. So this could be his breakout event. And then um, Warren Luff is in the ninety four, which is basically the old guy's car. (laughs) Sorry, the (laughs) ninety five.
1: Yeah, Jeff Dalton, Warren Luff, Bailey Hall, and Brad Schumacher, the local guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you know, there's not really very much interest in those classes um, at when you've got such a big GT three field. Um, the Mark cars, though, the Mark cars are really, really cool. They're basically endurance kit cars. They're based on a Mustang V8 look, and they've got a Coyote V8 engine in them, and using, mm. they're just bulletproof cars.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, a couple of There are a couple of overseas drivers here. James Kay from British Touring Car Championship.
0: Mm.
1: And are you
0: going to be brave? Are you going to be brave enough to do this one?
1: Cedric Sabera Azuli.
0: You actually did pretty well. Um, so that's um, a monogask driver. Who I've yep. never heard yeah,
1: about, yeah, Lamborghini Super Trofeo driver.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Um, so that's that's the rest of the entry list, really, and it's kind of disappointing to see the erosion of the non GT3 field at the Bathurst Twelve R. Because to me, it is what gives the field a lot of its character. Um, so, yeah, how do you feel about the the trajectory of this event in terms of entries
1: it's it's just a very disappointing i still don't understand the whole change to b class oh
0: okay that's an that's another thing in itself
1: <laughs> because that last year we had what four or five cars in yep. B class. okay it wasn't a big class but still it gave the career cup drivers a chance to use machines they already had in a, in a race that's got prestige and get their name out in the world stage, particularly for those up-and-coming drivers like the, the next brave, like Jackson Evans and things like that.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. So for those out of the mm. loop, um, the, uh, the, uh, sorry, the B-Class previously used to be Porsche Carrera Cup. So bog-standard Porsche Carrera Cup. It gave a, a really nice platform for, as we mentioned, guys like Jackson Evans to put together a team with some other drivers in the field and race in a worldwide endurance race. Now, They've changed that this year from Porsche Carrera Cup to uh, SRO Super Trofeo. There are not, there is no Super Trofeo competition in Australia. There is one Super Trofeo car, which was a basically a vanity purchase by Jim Menolius, uh, who runs Trofeo Motorsport, um, who basically takes that car out on competition track days for the Australian GT series. Uh, it is, it speaks to me as a change that was made to exclude the local clientele mm. from being able to compete in the race, basically. Yeah,
1: because basically what they said is, okay, you want to race in this race, drop a cool 350000 grand on a new car that you're going to race once a year. That's just bad business.
0: It, yeah, it really is. And it's just really... Like, and hmm. mm. And when you...
1: Yeah, and when you add onto that that we've got a GT4 class that has not taken off in Australia at all, and an in invitational class that's been hamstrung by overregulation and lap time limits over the over the last few years, which is why we've lost the Daytonas, which is why we've lost you know other
0: invitational cars,
1: a lot of the invitational cars. It's just really galling that a lot of that multi class aspect that we love about this race is disappearing.
0: Yeah, and like my first like are you my first experience of the Bathurst 12 hour was the 2016 race where there was it was the first race that they stopped allowing production cars in. Um mm. so the first race they had standardized classes. Now even then they had something along the lines of 12 to 18 lower class cars whether that be the yeah. B class or invitationals. Um the fact that They've made these changes to to the class. It really it really takes a lot out a lot of the air out of the other interest in the race because, like, mm. no one's going to care about these lower classes now because there's no competition in them. Yeah, just no yeah. one's going to care.
1: And what's the big appeal about multi class endurance racing? Traffic, Traffic management, mm. exactly right. We're not going to have that. It's, it's a bit like it's going to be a bit like Spa, where you got sixty three sixty GT three cars. Who at one point or another are going to have pro drivers in them, all doing lap times within a couple of seconds of each other?
0: Yeah, look, I mm, I really don't I really dislike this. I feel like it's losing a lot of its character um, because of these changes. Uh, and like, it's fair enough to say that GT four hasn't taken off in Australia, um, but it was only it was only three years ago that we had a ten strong GT four field in in this event. Uh, the problems that Australian GT is having might be some of the reason why they've they've had this issue with. Um, with the lower classes, but like taking away Carrera Cup is just like, come on, come on. What are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, how do we fix it? I don't know. Big, big fan campaigns. Cause apparently that works when they change the pit rules.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Which is something that I forgot to mention. Yeah. So initially this race was meant to have for this year, the, you know, standard SRO recipe of 65 minute stints, um, no driver, no driver doing more than two stints in a row. Uh, minimum time, pit stops, etc., cetera, et cetera, But they, they, they got rid of that. They were going to do it, and then everyone <laughs> got mad, and they got rid of it. It was amazing.
1: Yes, woohoo!
0: It's the power of humanity, which is great because honestly, like especially after last year's race, where the reason that it was so amazing was because we had that long green flag period where strategy got to play out where people could use their advantage where someone where the Porsche stretched to 75 minutes on a stint to make it to make use of their fuel and tire advantage whereas other cars came in more frequently and did shorter stops the, uh, like that's why they, this race was amazing last year and the fact that they tried to change that and standardize it you know like another cookie cutter GT3 event really really annoyed me but the thing is that's where it's trending towards that's the draw of the IGTC I guess is that it standardizes everything but I oh. uh,
1: this it, it's not a race that needs to be standardized
0: exactly and part of the reason for that is because it's Bathurst the, the, hmm. there's enough variance in the track itself to, yeah. to 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 bring out all of that amazing stuff yeah if and- you want to,
1: if you want a standard boring ass endurance race go to Queensland Raceway
0: <laughs> oh yeah tell me about it <laughs>
1: Leave Bethesda line.
0: Yeah. So, like, and and that's... Like, I get... I can sort of understand the appeal, especially for an AM product, to have things like minimum pit stop times and standardized driver lengths so that way you know what you're getting into every single race of the year and you can kind of cope with that and just learn the track and focus on racing the track. But part of the reason I personally love endurance racing is that all of the little pieces of the puzzle have so much of an effect to the very Hmm. end.
1: Yep. Yeah, so... Yeah, it just sucks we've lost that.
0: Not yet. Not yet for this event. We've lost a little bit of traffic, which is a shame. We're not seeing old production cars make an entrance. We're not seeing the Daytona sports cars, which is a real shame, but there is still the Mark cars, which are stupidly popular and also blisteringly loud. Bring some earphones if you're coming. (laughs) Um, Yes. And there is somewhat interest in Pro-Am and Silver Cup. At least for me, like... At least the, the guys that you'd expect to have been racing in the Carrera Cup have, some of them have stepped up into Pro-Am or Silver Cup. So that's that's a good sign, but like... That's
1: something like the Groves. and Yeah. You got but,
0: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overall meh about the, the outside of GT3 entries. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, predictions. Predictions for the event. <laughs> Wait, no, we already did this, didn't we?
1: Well, I was going to make one more prediction. Yes. It's going to be warm.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, baby. It always is warm. It always is. Except for that time that it rained. Um what is the All weather first? Or, or that
1: time that a tree fell across the track and blocked it for a couple of hours.
0: Really? How long ago was that?
1: That was twenty eleven, I wanna say. Oh wow. <laughs> um anyway, uh I don't know, can I see the weather that far ahead, but it's it's gonna be mid- warm
0: in the lead up to the event, so Yeah. Uh, at the moment, we're recording this on the Wednesday prior. So, a week out from the teams bumping in. Um, so, it's going to be like 35, 31, 31, 32, 32, 31, 33. So, it's just going to be hot and dry, basically. So Yeah. It, uh,
1: they're predicting 37 on a Sunday. Oh, wow. On for the race. race day.
0: Wow. So, that's that's going to be a thing. Uh, so, yeah. it's going to be... Heat is going to play a factor, definitely. Um. Now, there isn't just the 12-hour if you're at Bathurst. Um, and if you're watching on the live stream, they'll probably sell a bit of the support action as well. Uh, there is,
1: And on Foxtel, if you have Foxtel now.
0: Yes, that's going to be awesome. So uh, if you're going to be able to watch the support, the so support categories at Bathurst, the 12-hour, have traditionally been quite good, actually. I remember the year of combined Ooh. sedans, or sorry, the improved production where Jordan Cox uh in his honda civic just was a madman which still lives out in my memory today
1: oh yeah he's been doing and he's been doing madman things ever since now even in tcr Mm,
0: exactly um so support categories for the weekend uh feature aussie Aussie racing cars basically think a go-kart with a motorbike engine and a shell um is the aussie racing cars some
1: first time here in a few years since they had a car go tumbly tumbly on on the run chase, 100?
0: yes. So this is—I think this yes. is—the first time since 2017 it would make it. Um, mm-hmm. Also in uh, also in the support bill, are a few regulars combined sedans. So which is basically yeah. uh, TA2 improved production sedans, um, mm-hmm. and then just all the crazy stuff that <laughs> people want to build in Australia. Basically, a run what you brung for mm-hmm. souped up sedans, and then.
1: And then I said something about 962 Porsches.
0: Yes, Group S sports cars, which is basically run what you brung for classics, Um, which yeah. last year was about 45 Porsche 911s and a few other cars, yep. which was, oh, it was yep. so amazing. Um, Also, there should be Australian GT doing some sessions?
1: No? No, Australian GT are permitted to score points in the championship from the race itself.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's, that's how that works, which... Yeah, I guess the makes first sense hour to... I think counts for them yep. this year, which makes sense for then the guys like um, a lot of the pro am guys or the local teams are racing in that, so that makes sense for mm. them. Um, and then there is a uh, demonstration of Group C machinery, which will be fantastic to watch because
1: now when we're talking Group C's between Porsche 962s, aren't we?
0: Yeah, baby, we are. Oof, I'm so excited.
1: I know you're so excited. But, but who the hell are they going to find to put that thing at full throttle down the Conrad Strait?
0: Uh, Luke Yulden? <laughs> David Brabham?
1: How scared would you be doing 340, 350 into the chase?
0: Oh, terrified. Like, <laughs> God. Absolutely terrified.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It would be amazing
1: i hope they i hope they do let them loose because that would be insane
0: yeah so it's got um so they've got they've got a pair of portion 962s that are going to be running Mm -hmm. um and they haven't really announced anything else so it's it's just as a selection of classic group c machinery which could be like anything um yeah so yeah that'll be good i i'm (laughs) i'm keen to see them i'm I can't like if they get guys to like throw them around like they did with uh the Brabham BT62 last year, like that would terrify me but it would also make
1: me oh just seeing, just seeing the Star Tracks, being seeing the BT62 at the bend just go full chat. Right? Yeah. Right. I'm still hearing it in my ears.
0: Oh yeah. Um <laughs> and and another attraction of the Bathurst 12 hour of course is the Tractor Town that they're running for the second year this mm-hmm. year. So everyone's involved. Everyone is involved this year. So last year it was just one from each manufacturer. This year every single car will do a parade lap of the circuit and then into the town of Bathurst parking up along the main street in front of the in front of the town hall. And last year that was a really really cool event to to see like all the teams, all the media in front of the town hall like that with everyone. Now this year with everyone there and having the day just for that, as opposed to running it while there's other track action going on town, that's going to be awesome to just to, to just to have that level of access to to everyone. I got oh. I got interviewed for local TV there last year, <laughs> which was hilarious.
1: And look, for, and look how you've come now.
0: I know, right now, no, nah, I'm, now I'm just a spot with the podcast,
1: <laughs> and I'm just doing the podcast with you.
0: Brilliant, <laughs> man. We've been doing this for too long.
1: We have. Tonight and in general, and in general, um, but we we should make one last point before we do say goodbye. Yes, the race at Bathurst this year is under a little bit of a pool of sadness around our country. Uh, with, as everyone would know, these devastating bushfires so have come through and pretty much burnt an area bigger than Belgium, two thirds of New Zealand, as mm. uh, being crazy amount of loss of life, well, loss of. Um, wildlife and property and unfortunately a few lives as well and the community the motorsport community is really getting behind the cause to raise as much money as they can this weekend for the various bushfire, bushfire appeals teams have got selling bodywork suits there'll be collections on the days on the race events as well so if you are going yeah please dig deep
0: yeah um not only that as well, but the area between Sydney and Bathurst, which would be the the route to Bathurst for a lot of teams, a lot of spectators, a lot of international people coming to the event, that was one mm. of the areas most heavily hit. Uh, mm. So I actually saw pictures today of not just the the burnt out areas, but already the the start of new growth in uh in in that area of of plant life. So. Um, I think it will be very striking to see firsthand the sort of effect that the fires have had on that sort of region. Because for you and me, the fires they haven't been that close to us, right? We've had no. we've had a smoke and we've had haze, but we've not had any immediate threat. But for for that area between on the Blue Mountains around Lithgow, which is on the main ro- route to Bathurst, that area got extremely hard and hit extremely hit, um, and it's it's been striking just how much of an effect this has had on australia as a country not just the people who have been hit with and having to you know have lost houses have lost family members have lost animals but you know every single australian has been feeling this disaster and the the response from the world not just from within our own country but from the from the world's media and from people around the world and you know things like this. Uh, the it's it's been amazing to witness the humanity come to the fore, um, mm-hmm. but it's also been terrifying to witness the damage that has been done. Um, so, the Bathurst Twelve Hour is partnering with the the uh, the local Lions Club, the local Lions Club of Bath the Bathurst Macquarie area, as the official charity. So any funds donated to the Lions Club. Will be rerouted through to uh, various um, charities and uh, b- bushfire appeals um, around the country. Um, so, including re- basically rehousing people who have been uh, who have been displaced, um, uh, replacing things such as water tanks, white goods, furnitures, um, shopping vouchers, uh, sanitary products. Um, basically giving these people some level of normality uh, as they go back to restart their lives um, so all the money raised will go to these various uh, various appeals um, run by the Lions Club the Lions Club themselves are all volunteers so there's no overhead in terms of um, in terms of uh, taking money out of those donations to run whatever they're doing um, so all the teams are involved in donations. There'll be like money boxes at the event as well. So, uh, yeah, if you are able to, it would be very appreciated. Not just like, not just in a motorsport sense, but from a human, a humanity sense. And yeah. like, I've definitely, I've definitely given money to these bushfire, uh, the bushfire appeals, and I'm, I, I assume that you would as well because I think everyone who I've t- talked to has. Yeah. It.
1: Yeah, I was part of a tournament last week that raised four and a half grand for them. Yeah, so, so, you know, everything, everything matters. Everything every, counts. every
0: little bit counts, exactly. And um, I think driving to the event will be a very stark realisation uh, for me of how damaging these fires were. And I think it'll really put into perspective for a lot of people internationally how, how big they actually are. Because yep. as you said, a size bigger than Belgium. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And on that note,
1: <laughs> that was a really something. I did in this. Yeah, feel like it is.
0: But that, that's that's kind of been the mood of this country for a little while. So it has. Yes. Yeah. But so come yeah. on, Kiwi, give us a give us a classic Kiwi pun to end
1: on. Um, a man walked into a bar and said, "Ouch."
0: <laughs> I knew exactly where that was going, but it was still funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, race threads, race reds will be up on r slash wc... Counter track is on Thursday. Track action starts on Wednesday morning. Uh, the race starts at 5:30. uh sorry, quarter to six uh, in the morning local time, which I think works out to be uh, quarter to 7 p.m. UTC. So do your conversions from there. Um, we'll have race roads going on r and r/sportscar racing. Uh, thank you very much for listening thank you very much Kiwi Chris for your work this evening
1: no problem Michael anytime my friend
0: uh, hopefully we actually get to see you at Bathurst in a, uh, at some time soon maybe one day again Please. perhaps <laughs> right uh, it's been five years since you've been there man you've got to fix that I um, do a good uh, new job I will be at the event um, I will be doing some work again in the media centre so I'll try and organise a catch up um on one of the evenings for people Reddit inclined and uh, Endurance Chat inclined. Um, If not, there will be the standard catch-up with the commentators um, in one of the pubs on the evening. Uh, Yeah, once again, thank you very much for listening into our fifth year of doing this. It's hard to believe that we're still doing this five years later. I've, you know, I spent less time doing my degree at uni, which is a little scary. (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I've been Michael. Peace out.
1: Um, that's, that's, that, sorry, here you, you go, go ahead.
0: Here you go ahead. Um,